Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. I don't know. Part of me thinks the kid's right. He asked what he's done to deserve this. He wants to stay here. Fine. Let's leave him go home. You know, but then spend another part of me thinks, what if by some miracle we stay and actually make it out of here? Someday we might look back on this and decide that podcasting Private Ryan was the one decent thing we were able to pull out of this whole goddamn shitty mess. Like you said, Captain, maybe we do that. Maybe we earn the right to go podcast. <laughs> so podcast is home and saving in the news. Okay. Okay. Great. My brain's broken. Hi, everybody. My name is Griffin Newman. David Sims. This is a podcast. It's called Blank Check with Griffin and David. That's right. We do many series. We like focusing on directors, filmographies, people who have seismic success early on in their career and then get a series of blank checks for the rest of their life. To make whatever for the rest of their natural life, to some degree or another, sure. Maybe the check, the amount changes, mm-hmm. but they keep on dining out on that on that success, that mm-hmm. early success. Sometimes the checks clear, sometimes they bounce, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a series about the most successful filmmaker of all time, with the biggest blank check of all time. That's our idea. It's called Pod Me If You Cast. What do you think of that, Richard? Um, I think it's good. Thank I think you. you had so many options to go with, but I think that was the right one. Honestly, we didn't have that many yeah, options. Yeah, we went through literally all of them. <laughs> a lot of movies, but not not a lot of uh, room to play around. I was pushing yeah. for the pod ventures of Cast Cast. You should have pushed harder, <laughs> I gotta say. That's the lesson for this new year, push. Well, that's a, sometimes delivering a baby isn't comfortable, but you gotta <laughs> put a, exactly uh, something right. important into the world. That's something you know a lot about. It's something I know a lot about. All right. So, and today yeah. we're talking about something else I know a lot about. War. <laughs> the D-Day landing. Yeah. Uh, this is our episode on St. Pratt Ryan. Uh, this is uh, the uh, third film in our miniseries that tracks uh, Spielberg, the DreamWorks here, when he founded his own movie studio and could make whatever he wanted. And uh, Lost World, we're, we're kind of flubbing, wasn't really DreamWorks. Amistad was the first big attempt, and it belly flopped. And then this was him doing, I think, what DreamWorks was founded on. The idea of him being able to deliver something like this. Sure. You know? An Oscar favorite. The right. number one highest grossing film of 1998. It was, yeah. And, and uh, a modern American classic by, by most so. metrics. People, I think, view it that way. Yeah. I don't know. We'll discuss. Anyway, we have a guest. Introduce We have guest. a guest here today. He's a favorite he's of the show. silently. And he's a favorite of ours. You know him from Vanity Fair. You know him from Little Gold Man Podcast. Yeah. You know him from... It's been good this year. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Our episodes on Lady in the Water. True. And Vanilla Sky. Yeah, you've been yeah. going up in quality from like a stinker yep. to flawed but interesting, and now here you are at Saving Private Well, Ryan. I wanted to do the episode about the terminal, but I, since I wrote the movie, I felt like... <laughs> I mean, you I could have be offered some, it the whole some time. good inside baseball, but yeah. Richard Lawson, ladies and gentlemen. Also, David, I resent. I would rank those three movies as Lady in the Water 1, Vanilla Sky 2, Saving Private Ryan 3. Whoa. Great. Uh, Richard. Yeah. Uh, I, wa- I want to get straight to this. I want to dig in because you, um, you're a favorite guest of the show. Well, thank you. I'm one of our favorite people. And, uh, you know, we didn't have you on the last miniseries. And I threw no. to you. I said, we're doing Spielberg. Is there anyone that jumps out to you that you'd want to do? And you said, well, I think I'd have a lot to say about Saving Private Ryan mm-hmm. because that movie made me almost join the military. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, Twist, 
I know this isn't the Shyamalan series, but I'm going to throw a twist out. Okay. Richard knows this. You don't. Okay. I had never seen this movie before last night. What? Yeah. I that's insane know that. to me. I, I guess right? you are younger, but like, yeah, that's, but, but like, so, never. But it was like it? your patriotic duty to see that movie. Okay, it, you know, it's true. It was. Now you must have been about yeah nine when it came out. That was not when it came out. Yeah, so you know, but I saw something about Mary like three times in theaters. I mean, it wasn't like you know <sighs> what I'm saying. You, yeah, I do know what you're saying. I'm, uh, uh, you're a gross little boy. That's yeah, what you're saying. I was a little stinker. <laughs> you still are. <laughs> but um uh, well, well, we'll unpack all of that later. But I just uh. Want to set up the central question, which is, can you explain to me how uh, watching this movie made you want to join yeah, the military? Because I knew that about you too, and I was also rewatching it. And I was like, wait a second. Yeah. Because watching this movie, I have never wanted to do anything less. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm more encouraged to become a camp counselor after watching Friday the 13th. Like, this movie. Yeah, I it's weird. I mean, it's the same kind of thing where after I saw Silence of the Lambs, I wanted to become an FBI agent, which it's like that's that makes more sense to me. I mean, it doesn't make a little more sense. Um, I she wins at the end. So I wa- I first saw <laughs> I mean, she, she wins. Does she? She she wins bit. the murder. I mean, she learns that the the yeah. lambs never stop. She's screaming. traumatized for life. Right. But, um, <laughs> she wins. <laughs> um, so I first saw this movie in the theater. I would think I was like fifteen because it came came out ninety eight. Ninety eight. Um, yes. summer of mm-hmm. um. Yeah, so was, uh, I loved 12. it, you know, Me too. had never seen anything like it. We'll get into all that. But um, but then a couple of years later, I'm about to graduate from high school and um, I you're wondering what I, to do. With I yourself. bought it on VHS. Yeah. And I was a terrible student in high school and I kind of had a sort of in at my the college. I ended up going to because mm-hmm. my dad taught there. But I was sort of like not I was I was feeling a need to do something that I really believed in. And sure. I was watching that movie a lot. Like I, I probably watched it three or four times in, I don't know, the span of a month or so. And just something about it. I think I was like, a, honestly, like it was like, I was like, cute boys. And like, I, I sure, had like the man. worst reasons for Look, wanting to do it. There are some cute but, boys in this movie. Yeah, um, this is a cute boy movie. But a I got meme market yeah, this movie. Yeah, <laughs> But I got like, I mean, I really like, I got all the literature. And I think I had set up like someone from the Navy to come to the house. And I wow. ended up canceling it. Um, because like, parents... my mother was like, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, where your parents yeah, like, like, this is not a good idea I for had you. like sort of come out to my mom at that point. It was just like, it, this was way before Don't Ask, Don't Tell went away. You know, it was just like a whole fucking thing. Um, it turns out it was good because I graduated in June of 2001. Yeah, yeah good call. Yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. a good call. So I would have been in the military when something bad happened mm, just a boy, few months oh later. Boy. Um, what, what was the... Oh, um, Jay-Z's album came out and people okay. didn't... I think it was that good. Yeah. Collateral yeah. damage. Yeah. The yeah. Schwarzenegger movie yeah. got uh, yeah. buried at the yeah, box office. Big Trouble got pushed uh, like six months. Yeah. <laughs> they had to edit the pilot of 24. Ellen had to be like serious. <laughs> yeah. they, they had to digitally change the skyline at the end of Zoolander. Oh, God. How yeah. many of these can we do? Basta. It's yeah. uh, Italian for enough. <laughs> um, what's interesting about that story, Richard, mm-hmm. is that you said like you want to do something you cared about. Yeah. And then you watch the movie again, yeah. you rewatch it, you had this very visceral response, and yeah. you felt like that was the thing to do. But then what you ended up doing in life is becoming a film writer, yeah. which like is the thing you care about. And I wonder if there was some degree of just like you putting the feelings in the wrong box. Like you watched right. Saving yeah. Private Ryan, you had this visceral response, and you were like, this makes me feel something, I should yeah. do this. Yeah. It's like what you really want to do is write about this. That's exactly right. And I feel like it's one of those kind of like fork in the road things where like there was almost a terrible mistake of youth that I made. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but and it was Steven's, it was almost Steven Spielberg's uh, fault. Yeah. And maybe yeah. Chiba and Rubisi's a little bit. Nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Did you want to be a combat medic? They I had don't the know coolest what the fuck I wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was too scared to actually think about joining the army. Right. That's the so worst. So the one. Navy was sort of the one that I went to, um, you know, because of the, the song. 
um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Mikhail's Navy obviously was a huge influence on me. And Darren Periscope, I assume. Yeah, mm-hmm. again, a movie I wrote, so I don't really feel comfortable <laughs> talking about it. But <laughs> oh boy. Anyway, I'm glad I didn't. Um, but I still do like the movie quite a bit. Although you're right, it does make me feel very different things. I rewatched a, most of it this week, mm-hmm. and in the wake of um, I don't know when this is airing, but the January. election election just happened. Yeah, the election. Real shit. Sorry to no, blow no, up no. your timing spot, no, but no, we're, um, we're going to be talking about it in every episode. But I'm it, sure. in the wake of that. Um, I was like, oh, everything's fucking miserable. And, you know, it's still a wonderful movie, but it made me feel very different things. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've same. only ever seen it in the prism of the worst yeah, yeah, which is, I election think... ever, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, not that there's necessarily a straight line between, like, our anxiety right now and the events of this film, you know. But, but, who fucking know, all bets are off now. I, I had like th- this was one of the most difficult movie watching experiences I've ever had. Yeah, I had like a physically uncomfortable time watching this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's supposed to make you uncomfortable. I'm, I'm aware. Yeah. Yeah. I'm aware. That having been said, I was like literally sick to my stomach the entire film. Like I had a I had a really really tough time getting through it, mm-hmm. and I had never tried to watch it before. But I will say, if I like was not watching it for the podcast. Right, and I just been like, oh, you know what? Big blind spot. You should obviously see Saving Private Ryan. Turned it on to Netflix. Uh-huh. I would have turned it off within fifteen minutes and be like, I, I can't deal with this. Do, sure. do you have that reaction to war films in general? I'm not good with war movies. Yeah, I love and I'll, war I'll movies. I'll say that. Yeah, me too. World War Two movies. Yes, I don't especially. like Vietnam movies. I, I'm okay with, but I'm less. Yes, yeah. I'm also less invested in Vietnam movies. I like uh, movies about uh, Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> when will war, there be you star mean wars in the stars? Yes, yeah. yes, the wars in the stars. Uh, the, your near and far wars. You mean like Death Becomes Her? Yes, that's one of them. Oh yeah, that's a great Star Wars movie. Yeah. That uh, Mega Mind, which was advertised as a Feral versus Pit. Any movie right. where the the above the title are verses. <laughs> yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Uh, Monster yeah. in Law, I think, was a J Lo versus Fonda. I, I think which, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> the public demanded it, <laughs> so it happened. The I, you know, title bout for all title bouts. I really like Bride Wars. Uh, my hair's blue. Yeah. It's blue. It's blue. Yeah. Uh, Chris Pratt's in that. Is he really? Yep. He's one of the fiancés. From Humble Beginnings. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I was going to say was, <laughs> I I have... Guys, it feels good to laugh. If, oh, it, it feels so good. <laughs> Immediately, all the pain is gone. I have a kind of block with warm movies. I think similar to the way some people do with like fantasy or sci-fi, where they're like, I can't engage with this shit. It just uh-huh. doesn't mean anything. Where it's the opposite, where like I can deal with war shit if it's like orcs, or if it's in <laughs> <Sure>. space, because <laughs> right. then it's like all of this is ridiculous. Uh-huh. But I, I like it's it's my own weird psychological thing. I cannot process like war as a concept, I'm and I'm not think... saying that as me being like a peace loving guy. No, it's just so it's so. But that's why I love these comprehension, I want, especially on the scale of something about. like World yes. War Two, like yes. uh, like an Iraq War movie. Like it's Humvees, it's mm-hmm. improvised explosives. Mm-hmm. It's you know, it feels. You're like, okay, I could sort of... The scale but, is far smaller. Right. But like you, a D-Day you know. invasion, for God's sakes. It's, it's like, crazy. I don't, well, that's the thing. This, yeah. is, this is like an amazing depiction of the craziest war, right? So it's like the hardest to process. But, but even when it is a smaller war, I just like... I'm like the least violent person in the world. Like my brother was three years younger than me. He used to punch me a lot. And my parents like made me sign up for boxing lessons. Because he'd start punching me and I would just lay still. And they'd be like, why aren't you fighting back? And I was like, I don't like fighting. And I would just like get punched. I'm like the only <laughs> kid. So I'm the only kid in the world whose parents encouraged. Maybe you should have joined the military. Yeah, you might have more. needed to get some toughened up. 
you know. I just don't. I don't like physical stuff. I don't like. No, doing I mean, I don't physical. love it either. Yeah, really. you know, yeah. Being honest, um, I'm trying to think of other big war movies. So, well, hey, you know, I'm, I was going to say, Griffin, I really strongly recommend you do not see Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah, don't see. Yeah, this, I, I'm, I'm Hacksaw Ridge now. makes this movie seem like freaking Andy I'm, Hall. Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. like that movie is everyone going in. Everyone was like, it's really violent. And, and I like, was how like, bad could it it's be? It's a war movie. Yeah. It's and then it, the minute I mean, credit to that crazy old anti-Semite. <laughs> he really knocks it out of the park. He's a lunatic. <laughs> you're watching that movie and you're like, this guy is fucking, fucking insane. Yeah. It's just the thing. I want to see it because of that, but I'm gonna like flip out, right? Well, the problem is that in Saving Private Ryan, like the famous D-Day opening scene is right at the beginning, horrifically gory yeah. and like yeah. verite. You know, it just feels very real and. But it's horrified by it. It's scared of it. And we're supposed to be scared by yes. it. Hacksaw Ridge yeah. is like in love with it. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, yeah. and also, he's just, Gibson is just so obsessed with these people who endure the most unimaginable violence. Like, it's he loves like stoicism in the face of like carnage. Right, which is and, the opposite of what I like. Yeah, and right. whereas this movie's <laughs> yeah. not like that at all. This movie's basically just like nobody really knew what the fuck they were doing. And yeah. like, you know, it just sort of happened. Uh, whereas Hacksaw Ridge is like, can you believe this guy? Look at him. Look at that. Look at that guy. Look at all them crushed heads. But that's like, I, <laughs> look at all his limbs flying so everywhere. Bad. It's cra- But at the same time, I do admire Gibson in not a, as a person. No. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, you don't like him as a no, filmmaker. He's got good value. He's an incredible film. I can't deny, like, the film was. Uh, you know, it got yeah, to me. He's got a sort affected. of mad genius. But, yes, yeah. but he's, you know, he's a demented madman. Right. Well, and, that's like uh, racist. Woody Allen. Like, I, you know, I can't defend his movies, but I like his personal life. <laughs> he's got a good personal life. I mean, you life. will meet a tall, dark stranger. It's unforgivable. <laughs> Everything else? Uh... <laughs> I like the way he conducts himself on yeah. a day to day basis, especially <laughs> you know, with those closest to him. <laughs> I'll say, I saw you will awful, meet a tall, awful, dark stranger. Awful. awful. Um, and I thought, okay, Hopkins, he's officially cooked, right? Like, Hopkins is just. He can't give a good performance anymore. He phones everything in. Yeah. Hopkins having a good time right now. On the old West World. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad to see Hopkins doing, you know, fun things again. I yeah. remember reading yeah. an interview with him when Thor was coming out and he they said, like, what was it like working on it? And he said, like, it was great. I got the script and I have this thing. When I uh read through a script, I circle scenes and I write uh no A R next to them. And they're like, what does that mean? It goes, no acting required. And that's the best thing in the world. If I just see, I can just show up. I just have to learn the lines. And I read the script and I go, I got a weird helmet on. <laughs> he just I'm going to be on the, the whole set. Script. He said, he said it was great because I read it and every scene was NAR. Oh, and it was like, that was his approach for 10 years. And then he got in his car from the world's fastest Indian. And <laughs> <zoomed> away. <laughs> He did like a full yeah. 10 years of NAR, and then I feel yeah. like Westworld, he's actually like doing it again. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Hopkins, we talked about him last week. Well, because Hopkins right. did actually build that Westworld thing, right? I mean, like, of that's, course yeah, he's committed. Yeah, that's yeah. his project. So yeah. it's... And Hopkins is the father of Thor. <laughs> right. right. He is the all father. I mean, the, the reason, the reason he didn't have to act at all is because he is Odin. Yeah. When he goes into Odin's sleep every night. <laughs> he rolls over in bed and says goodnight to Rene Russo and yeah. takes a yeah. good night's Odin sleep. Um, no, I do think, I mean, all the war movies I like, and there are some, are all movies that I would say are technically another movie set more. Like, I sure. love Thin Red Line. I love Nose MASH. Sure. I love A Very Long Engagement. I love, you know, but it's like, yeah. that's a romance. That's like a comedy. That's... Metaphysical. Right. Yeah. You know, um, and I love... And there's not a lot of violence in Thin Red Line, if I remember correctly. No, I mean, there, there's, there's shoot, some. Yeah, there's you know? some, yeah. but it's not as... It's not this. No, it's not. It's more poetic. Yeah. Yeah. And like, Best Years of Our Lives, I think, is a masterpiece. Sure. Uh, but that's like a movie about war I can deal with. Movies like exploring like the notion of war I can deal with. Movies in war, I just like... 
I just go like, well, orcs aren't real. What is the? What I, is love this? I love them. I, I love them. I have a hard time. Movies. World War Two movies. I don't know what is hardwired into. It's my dad telling me stories mm-hmm. about his grandfather. You know, it's me just too. like, I guess it's just in my DNA or something. But but I think I also just it's such an uh, unknown and strange thing for me, and I want to know what it was like. Like I'm really interested in like seeing it. Yeah, and I think you know I I, I saw Allied recently. Uh, sure. The Brad Pitt, yep. Marion Cotillard. Um, we can talk where, about where it they're now. trying to prove that the moon landing didn't happen. <laughs> Marion is her passion project. She's really. Oh I once yeah. interviewed her and she almost did, said Bush did 9 11, and you could tell her publicist was like, Marion? And she was like, anyway, yes, uh, two days, one night's very good. You know, like she like almost switched off track. Do you think she's happy about Trump secretly? Maybe. Maybe. She's, um, I love her, but she's, uh, she's cuckoo. Yeah. Don't ruin her. Friend. Sorry, sorry. Anyway, in Allied, you know, there's a, the first half of the movie is his sexy kind of spies and Morocco. Which I liked a lot. You know, it's, and the second half is, yeah. But, yeah, agreed. But, and, and I can get swept up in that. English Patient is a great example sure. of mm. a World War II movie mm. that's yeah. not about war and I love. Yeah. It's sort of off the uh, center of and war. And it covers yeah. the war. Yeah. It's engaged right. with Casa the war. Yes. The problem yes. is when you get swept up in the glamour of, there is a glamour around certain World War II Absolutely. stories. Except that fucking horrible things were happening. Except that we were basically just throwing men in front of guns. And I think that for me, in a way, Saving Private Ryan, you know, for my 15-year-old brain, was the first movie I'd seen that was like, oh, right, that was a fucking nightmare. Right. Like, it was not... It's a horror movie. It wasn't glamorous. It wasn't romantic. It wasn't, you know, it was mostly just annihilation on a scale that's unimaginable. Agreed. And yet, I will say, and I feel the same way about Schindler's List, which we haven't discussed in this podcast, but, Uh you know, you... I hadn't seen it at that point. Sure. No. There's there's something about Spielberg. He does, he's such a good director. Like, he does make this stuff, like, entertaining and gripping, even yeah. as you're also grappling with how bad it is. And Schindler's List especially is really tough because, like, I've talked about this with a friend of the podcast, uh, David Ehrlich, like, like, that movie's so fun. And, like, the characters are so, like, vivid and, like, big and three-dimensional, you know, and you're, like, really great, and yet also, yeah. you know, I mean, it it's is, not fun. Yeah. And yeah. same Brother Ryan's like that, too. Like, it is, like, it's a dynamic it's and entertaining, like, action film, okay. as yeah. well as, like, a living nightmare. So this is where I diverge, and once again, it's not me throwing yeah, out yeah, a judgment of a film. You just had a bad time Yeah, it's last my own night. personal experience. Yeah. I also realized that independently I had diarrhea. The first half of the movie, I was you're just, You're saying like, the film wasn't, res- when you say independently, the film wasn't responsible. I mean, I maybe it was. I don't want to. No, he put usually the blame has diary with other people. Yes. Oh, I but see. But he read right. it a lot. This was solo yes. diary. Yeah. Usually, I try to team up with someone, Double Dragon style. <laughs> double Dragon. Yeah. Streets of Rage. Good lord. <laughs> um. No, but I. I just like. I was like. I. Well, then. Yeah. It became a bad night. But. Um. I. Ju- I just. Uh. It. It so squarely hits all of my sort of triggers of shit. I have a hard time comprehending mm-hmm. and things that like frighten my does? core. Yes. Yeah. No, but like Holocaust stuff, I'm like, this is horrible. It's insane that this happened. It's sure. hard to process, but I accept that it does. And war stuff, every time I'm watching a movie that's set in war, I'm just like, why would anyone do this? Why would, why, why was this? There's been more wars than Holocaust. I know. Yeah. I know. Mm-hmm. There's at uh, least like three wars. Well, there's there've been yeah. zero Holocaust. So that's mm, no, 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 <laughs> oh, dear no, God. no. Not after the Mel Gibson jokes. Uh, Marion just said we, oui. <laughs> we. All right, all right. God, we're in a dark place today, guys. I'm, I'm fucked up by this movie. Can we well, just play the, the, you up to the Bill Paxton Game Over Man Game Over <laughs> yeah, clip? It's, it's been playing it in my head. Yeah, like for... Aliens you love, right? Aliens I love because it's like, about fighting aliens. That's a Vietnam make... movie, but of course disguised as an alien. But I go, this is phony hunt. baloney stuff. This is no, we don't got bug aliens. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't know. Ask Marion. <laughs> that's why we couldn't go to the movie. Marion calls Paul Verhoeven, what do you know? <laughs> 
about these bugs. Starship <laughs> Troopers I love. Yeah. Shoot a nuke down a bug hole, you get a lot of dead bugs. Oh. That's uh, my favorite <laughs> line from Starship Troopers. <laughs> um, all right, so World War II. Yeah, uh, is what this movie is about. The D-Day landings, Operation yeah. Overlord. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's the, the it's Allied the, landings it's, in France. It's one side of the larger story that yes. Spielberg later tells the rest of in Band of Brothers, mm-hmm. which I watch every year once a year and I cry. You really I, watch I cry the whole every thing, time. whole thing once show. a year every year, and I cry when they're playing baseball at the end, you, without do, fail. Do you have the um the the, the like I, DVD box? It's uh, like a big tin. What do you take me for? Of course we do. <laughs> I know. Just just checking, just checking. Yeah. My mom got it for me for Christmas. You think he's gonna own the fucking later Digipack release? It's like a Richard Lawson. <laughs> That's the thing. Um, what was I gonna say? Uh, that like that 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 Band of Brothers was huge in college when I was in college. Sure. As was Saving Private Ryan. Like, and this movie was huge for me when I was a teenager. In terms of like, everybody went to see it because it was like so cool. Like, it was gnarly. It was violent. Like, it in Britain, like people just were. It like, was it was a masculine way to, to feel exactly. emotion. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing I remember. Like friends of mine. Because it is crazy. This movie was the number one grosser of the year. Like Insane. you said, yeah, you Insane. know, it's and a I, three hour super violent. Yeah, I was nine minute count, but I remember most of the boys in my grade going to see it and like loving it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and people always talked about like, oh, the first twenty minutes are like intense, but right. it was always kind of this like, it was like going on a roller coaster. Yeah, the way totally. people talk about that it, was, it. they'd be like, yeah, it's scary, yeah. but you feel so fucking good after. It's yeah. visceral, and watching this like. Like, where I diverge from what you were saying about this movie being entertaining, and once again, it's just hitting my my shit, right? But it's like, the I found the first 26 minutes so scarring yep. that I, like, couldn't recover from the rest of it. And the whole time I was like, wow, this is a fucking incredibly well-made movie. Like, I kept on being like, this it's movie is empirically made. great. It's it really, empirically one of the best, most well-directed films I've ever seen. Yeah. I hate watching it. I will never watch it ever again. Yeah. Like, I don't think I could make it through watching it again. So you and I have probably... How many times have you seen this movie, Richard? I've seen it so many times. Oh, I mean, probably well over 20. Yeah. I yeah. Like, owned it on DVD. I'd watch yeah. it all. I know and, and maybe every like beat. Bits and pieces. Like, maybe not all in one sitting, you know? But, sure. like, but I'm curious. Like, you know, I was w- watching it this week, and I was like, I can't believe it's almost 20 years old. And I kind of expected mm-hmm. the special effects to be, like... Not really work. Sure, to but see the scene. But so, but seeing it for the first time with fresh eyes, Griffin, like, did it look like a twenty-year-old movie to you, or did it seem absolutely not? Yeah. And I'll say this: I mean, the effects I think are seamless. They are. Um, but but the bigger thing for me that I found interesting was uh, realizing I had seen clips in the movie, I'd seen the trailers, but I never engaging with it a whole cloth. I didn't realize how much of a Rosetta Stone it was in terms of visual style and editing patterns for so many different movies and so many different genres in the 20 years that followed. And what I find fascinating is it still pulls off all those tricks better than any movie since then. Yeah, yeah. You Absolutely. go like Greengrass is probably the guy who's appropriated the Saving Private Ryan style the best. Like the shaky cam thing, yes, it, it was like new at right. that point. I mean, right. it wasn't new, new. No, but no, like, but you know it was I mean? for it a big mainstream was. film, you know. Yes. But but then even the sort of elements of the the super desaturated, yeah, the bleach yeah. bypass, the, the dealing with the different kind of frame rates, the weird like blurs. Like that. Kaminsky uh, stripped the camera lenses of the protective thing right. to make it seem like more 1940s, right. and you know all this kind of cool technique. Which I stuff. feel like man. I feel like yeah. Tony Scott pulled a lot of that, and then you go like Green. Grass pulled a lot of sort yeah. of the actual like cinematography of the movement of the camera and then like all this stuff and it still feels like this is the most cohesive version of all of that where yeah. every single affectation they're putting on there is for a specific purpose and it works yeah it's like watching Pulp Fiction and you're like oh this is when all of that kind of like crime dr- like indie stuff 
came from it, and it's still better than everything that followed. Hundred percent, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, but that once again feeds into the like when people like I always hate, hate, hate. It's one of my like least favorite like like film bro gripes. We're like, oh, enough with the shaky cam. Which oh, is like yeah. what the fucking it does. If it's if oh it's, god, I got nauseous, and it's like okay. If it's it works, the right it tool for the yeah. story, then that's the fucking thing. I don't yeah. like it for its own sake, but like yeah. Um, it's cinematic language, and if it's like mm-hmm. aligned with the themes of the movie and the story, and it's being used intelligently, that's that's good. Yeah, uh, I did genuinely feel sick watching this. Like, and yeah. and a lot of it had to do with the events being portrayed on screen. But also, but I also think, I mean, he uses it very specifically to try yeah. to make you feel that physically disoriented. Yeah, and like you're in the middle of a fucking hurricane, and all those you know? splatters on the camera. Yeah, all yeah. that stuff yeah. is mm-hmm. so well done. But it was, I, I had a very very physical. I mean, I. It, the movie is like three hours long. Yep, two hours and fifty minutes. And you said you were like surprised because you feel like it breezes. It by. just zips by for me. And I think you said you feel like it's sort of its length. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I had to pause the movie so many times. I think it took me five hours to watch. Yeah. I had to like keep on taking breaks to just sort of like calm myself down. What in what circumstance you were just watching at home? Like alone? I was just watching at home. Yeah. I like turned it on last on? night on Netflix on my TV. Mm-hmm. So it was like in high def. It's on Netflix. I had no idea. It's on Netflix right now. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. And my Wi-Fi was thankfully like working well, and I got it in like good quality. And I just like, uh, yeah, I just like had to keep on pausing it and being like, okay, 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 you know? Yeah. Um, which once again is like to the credit of the movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's where I'm the. We'll get to the plot now, but yeah, I mean, for me, it's like I was watching with Joanna; she'd never seen it, and I would literally be able to be like. Oh, uh, close your eyes for a second. Someone's about to get like his arms blown off. Like I knew right. every yeah, thing yeah, that was the, going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Can yeah I talk oh, th- chill out for a sec. Giovanni Ribisi is about to bite it. Yeah. Can I talk about the like. single most upsetting, like unnerving element of the film for me? And once again, I don't know if this can make me look like a coward oh, or boy. whatever. He's setting up some bit. No, because there, there's, there, I mean, there's, there's a lot morally, you know, <laughs> sure, cinematically, sure. Mm-hmm. In, in terms of my own personal views, in terms of actually just the film being effective and right in, in its aims. The the one thing I just couldn't fucking shake. Edward Burns is second build in this movie. I know, it's crazy. <laughs> How the and, fuck did that happen? You, Where were we as a culture? Well, got, we were like brothers McMullining at that point, and out of she's control. the one. I mean, yeah. it's, it's yeah. crazy because the movie. We thought has, he was the one. Well, the thing. <laughs> oh no! Twelve colony points. <laughs> oh god! Man. I want to go behind lines to I, rescue I'm gonna, that. You know joke. what? I'm going to go out. I need to hit the sidewalks of New York and get out of here. <laughs> that was the yeah. stinkiest stinker of them all. Heather Graham's well, I'm sorry, Finding Kitty? I don't even know what that is. That's Edward Burns and David Crumholtz as a private investigator looking for his cheating girlfriend? Looking for Kitty. Okay. That's what it's called, apparently. It was Edward Burns in that Thornbirds movie? No, that's Bill Paxton. Edward uh, Burns is in some horrible, like, I don't know. He's you're not thinking some, of Hatfields yeah. and McCoys, right? Yeah, yeah he had, <laughs> yeah. He had yeah. literally only been in The Brothers McMullen, and she's the one. That's And this was his third role. And he had directed both of those. Yes, no, this was his first movie that he had not directed and written. And he was second build. Well, because he really was. Like, he'd won the Sundance Grand Jury Prize. Yeah. For Brother, like, he was he he seen as, like, hot He had shit. a lot of heat. And he's, you know, he's good looking. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a good looking guy. Good it, it and this a... is a movie of a cast of lots of young, good looking-ish. Some of them are more interesting looking. I feel like Spielberg like, was good at like picking sort of yeah. realistic looking Character. people. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, right? A lot of young yeah. talent. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Is on stunt. And he was seen as a young talent. Well, it, I, yeah. It just, it, it is fascinating to this me. This is that, his like, peak. Yes. Uh, after this, it's all down. Pretty much. Yep. It is fascinating to me that this really is an ensemble movie, right? You have Hanks as mm-hmm. like the ringmaster, but other than that, it's really kind of an equal playing field ensemble yeah. in a lot of ways. And the two guys who got like prominent billing and like their faces on the poster and were clearly promoted above the ranks. 
where Sizemore and Burns, who are the two guys who have the least interesting careers of everyone in the supporting cast. That's right. true. Sure. You know? And, like, Damon then, like, post-Goodwill Hunting, they kind of put him more into the marketing. But well, he he's also filmed it role. before right. yeah. all that happened, and Spielberg was reportedly really upset that Matt Damon got famous because right. he didn't want it to be like that. And I, I don't know. I mean, He wanted you, to be, like, the audience was thrown yeah. off because he seemed innocuous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How and, many movies has Damon just popped up in? in the well, I mean, that's not a lot, yeah. 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 But I think there's, I mean, you guys are doing this whole series on Spielberg, and something, one of the most interesting things to me about him is his casting because, yes. you, you know, he'll cast, like, one big, big star, and then, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, like, a Colin Farrell in Minority Report or whatever. Yeah, sure. right. But up-and-comers. But, like, you know, he'll put... Francis O'Connell in AI, She's or great. or Catherine Morris in Minority Report, or mm. you know, Amy the, Adams in Catch Me If You Can. Oh, yeah, these kind of like he'll find these kind of. I mean, it happens a lot more with actresses, I guess, than actors because he yeah. doesn't tell a lot of women-led stories. But, but like, Mark yeah, Rylance, he just ha- yeah, yeah, Mark Rylance, like he has this really. He he seems very resistant to stacking his movies with with big names because with Saving Private yeah. Ryan, he could have gotten fucking anybody he wanted. Well, you compare it you to Thin Red Line. Right, which right, which right. I love, but but it's like John Cusack suddenly shows up for two scenes. Well, yeah, and that's the. Yeah, but I, I think mean, that's I think with, with, in Malick's case, line. that's how he gets his movies funded. Right, right. Yes, everyone yes. will do it. Yeah, right. But, you know, and I've told you the Thin Red Line story with George Clooney, where he's in that one scene where he's giving a speech. He enters the movie at two hours and thirty and, minutes, and he yeah, there was yeah. like a whole Clooney subplot that Malick cut out, and Malick called him and said, "I'm cutting. Sorry, I'm cutting almost everything, but we do keep that speech." And Clooney was like. Are you kidding me? Cut the speech. Jesus Christ. I can't yeah. be in what I'm going to look ridiculous. So he was like, no, no, we have to have the speech. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, I don't know that you do. I mean, yeah, I love that movie. But I, I mean, I think it adds a weird power to that movie. This is an episode to talk about that no. movie, and I understand why it works. It does. And I'm not bemoaning Malik for doing that. But a but, lot of people complained about it when they saw it. Like, I'm that sure. was a hit on the movie. It's like, hey, this is distracting. Like, you can't keep throwing movie stars at me. I think metatextually, it, it works in the film's favor because it kind of makes it clear that, like, oh, every supporting character, like, every one in the war is as, as valuable as anyone else in the war. Mm-hmm. Mm, sure. You know, like John Cusack isn't the lead character, but the yeah. second John Cusack comes on screen, you know it, he yeah. matters because he's John Cusack and you've right. seen him in other movies. And and Malik did originally cast a no-name as his lead, but then famously, you know, the Adrian Brody story where he yeah. went to the premiere with his family. He was the lead character in the didn't know book. that he'd been cut yeah. out. Right. Like that they cut all the scenes. Yeah, he's, in he's like got one, one line. Scene, yeah. He has one yeah. line where he goes, they're coming. Yeah. And it happens I mean, two hours And in. he didn't know, which is like horrifying, but maybe that's sure. what turned him bad. Yeah. <laughs> Adrian Brody. Well, Sean Paul, what was that? Was that the major oh, party? <laughs> yeah, Paul F. Tompkins and Scott Ackerman talking about that on Comedy Bang Bang is very funny. Uh, <laughs> yes, it is. I love yeah, that. Yeah. It's a great bit. Okay. Uh, Adrian Brody's bit was great. Um, I agree. Yeah. 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 Uh, should, have bring, yeah. should bring him back. <laughs> Justice for Brody. Yeah. 50 comedy points. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, the casting in this is incredible. And I do find it interesting that he picked so many people. I mean, you look at the variety of the people in this cast mm-hmm. and the careers they went on to have in totally different spheres. Yeah. Like, it's not just like, oh, he picked the next five big stars. No. You know? I mean, Nathan Fillion shows up, Brian Cranston's in there, and Paul Giamatti's Teddy in there. D. Well, and the little-known actor named Ted Danson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I and that was like, I think, just like, a, hey, they're friends, you know. But sure. But he just, Spielberg has an eye for it, but you, you, but in the you know initial thing without you know kind of knowing what what's to come mm. it seems like he's just finding these kind of like random actors who work in the texture of the movie and doesn't really much care with you know if he has his hanks mm-hmm. and that's all he needs yeah. and then everyone else is just you know going to be the best for the role which i think is really cool and yes. and kind of well, and I, he does a good job not putting it in your face like i think if you you i mean look you you know it's paul giamatti but like you never see like a, a oneer of Paul Giamatti's face. You know he's mm-hmm. in this like messy, rainy scene. 
He's got a helmet on half the time. But but you're also saying you know it's Paul Giamatti. In 1998, Paul Giamatti was most prominent, prominently pig vomit. Like I, it, I know. He didn't I have know. that yeah. much. No, I, I, but that's, I'm just saying he's not drawing. Even yes. Ted Danson. You, yeah. You know it's Ted Danson, but like he's not like drawing attention to these actors. Right. They're in a, a larger tapestry yes. that he's yes. woven yeah. well, and with Janusz's beautiful Polish hand. I kept on. <laughs> he's got great hands. I kept on thinking about. There's this uh, William Friedkin, Fried, Fried Quinn, Jesus Christ. This William Friedkin quote about a sorcerer where the studio really wanted him to hire Steve McQueen. And he was like, I want Scheider. Scheider's my guy. Scheider's mm. my muse. And then the movie bombed really hard. And he wanted, he was like, I don't want a big star. I don't want to overpower it. I want to shoot in the real jungle. And I want to have real faces and all this sort of stuff. And he said when the movie bombed, he realized that like uh, one second of one close-up of Steve McQueen was worth so much more than shooting in that real location and having all those effects and whatever. Right. And he wasn't talking in terms of box office gross. He was talking about sort of like an ability to engage with the audience. And this movie does that so well where it's like even just in the first 26 minutes where like most of the dialogue is inaudible. It's happening over like such a cacophony of like sound and chaos. Mm -hmm. But just when we cut to a close-up of Tom Hanks, even though it's him shaking and blood Mm -hmm. splattering everywhere, there's like a sense of like, okay, I I know we're in good hands. Like, I don't feel comforted that Tom Hanks is in this movie, yeah. but I feel secure that we're going to make it. Yeah. And even though Tom Hanks had been in, you know, a, a brief Vietnam War scenes in Forrest Gump, this was Tom Hanks like, oh, my God, we've never seen him in so much peril yeah. and, you know, bloody and, yep, you know, shooting true. people. I mean, this was like a whole new thing for him. I mean, not to spoil, but is this the first Hanks death? I think this is the first Hanks death in a movie. No, uh, Philadelphia. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 Um, or does he, but is he dead at the end of that movie? I don't I think. Oh God, it's been but 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 I think it's it, is it the first time we see Hanks kill somebody? Good call. Has to be. Yeah. Probably right. Yeah. Except in Big when he kills the fortune teller, but she deserved it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that. And joke in Punchline was. when he murders on stage. He does. That's true. Um. But but the bigger he slayed thing me, that audience. Yeah. The bigger thing for me watching this is this is like the first time I think he had been this minimalist. Yeah. He's so small in this movie and haunted and yes. yeah. He's, it's the first time he really seems like a full grown-up, I think. Mm. And that's a mode he's playing a, a lot call, in right actually. now. Yeah. This we were was, talking the You're other right. Day. This is the beginning yeah. of that Because he's phase a young gay man dying of AIDS in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. He's a kind of like naif going through the world in Forrest, Forrest Gump. Gump. Yeah. And this is like, oh, he's like a grown-up. He was always kind of plucky. Apollo no, 13, be, maybe. It, Apollo 13. Sure. Yeah, this yeah. is actually similar to his Apollo 13 role, where he's kind of like this cool, steady hand, you know, at the center of everything. But he's so haunted. But in he literally this. doesn't yes, he have is. a steady hand. He is. He is so. He does not have a steady hand. You're a good call. He's so small in this. I mean, watching his yeah. big monologues, because Apollo 13, the whole point is like, oh, the stoicism is that he's like this American hero. Yeah. He's like cool and calm and collected, even under pressure. But in this, the big monologues he has are all like, you look like he barely moves his face. You know, he doesn't feel the need to like overplay the hands. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And we, you and I, Richard, were talking a lot about recently, and I've also talked about it with you independently, that, like, I, I'm fucking loving this current Hanks run. Yeah. These last, like, five or six years of Hanks, I think he's found this pocket of playing, like, dudes who are just really good at their jobs. Yeah. And just Unshowy playing, about like, it. Yeah, real, like, American grown-ups. Yeah. You know? Which we need. Right, without any sort of, like, mannerisms, which uh, Hanks is great when he wants to be, you know, heightened. I mean, he's obviously, like, a great comedic actor when he wants to be, and even when he has to play more character parts in a dramatic context, he's great at that, too. Mm-hmm. But he's really, really stripped down, bare bones, like, just existing on screen now. And this feels like the first time he did that, 
and then he didn't do it a lot again for the next 10 or 15 years after yeah. that, and then he yeah. sort of come back to it. Well, he does Castaway. That's his big follow-up to this movie, right? Yeah, Castaway's such like a high-wire actor. Oh, I know. Thing, I love Castaway, you know? but it's yeah. a totally different kind of... I'm trying yeah. to think of like other immediate things that Hanks does after this movie. Yeah, because then you go, I mean, Green Mile, Toy Story 2, The Green Polar Mile Express. Green Mile is the next year. Ugh. Yeah, he had a weird... Can. He has a weird run. run there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Road to Perdition. And Catch Me If You Can is such a character thing with the weird he's accent. He's yeah. so good in that movie. He's great, but the he's big. But yeah, yeah, big, yeah. big supporting role, yeah. very yeah. much. Uh, right, Road to Perdition, which I also think he's excellent in. But Road to Perdition is maybe the, the next time we see this version of him. Yes. Yeah. Now, I'll say it is interesting that, you know, obviously a huge part of this movie is that Tom Hanks is this, like, unknowable, like, Incredible, like he's like this dark hero to his company, right? Sure, yeah. they yeah. all are like guessing it, like, oh, he's such a fucking at, Terminator. At, at least Sizemore has been with him since the uh, battle, and they mentioned very briefly in Tunisia, right? So they've been all kind of all over the place, right. and you know, and Sizemore's playing Tom Sizemore, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, totally, yeah, uh, very well, Dark Norvath. Um, but uh, Hanks is so lovable, maybe it's just Hanks, well, he's just a grounding presence, yeah, that sometimes yeah. you're like, I don't know, I sometimes I have trouble. With the movie, when the movie's trying to sell me on like how intimidated they are by him, even though I think it works, sure. you know what I mean? Just yeah. like he's such a he's sweetheart, so, yeah. Like the idea that they can't imagine that he's a school teacher when it, and it's it, like, of course he is. And yeah, he coaches and, baseball, of course he is. And of yeah. course, like that's the point of the big speech he gives, yeah. which is like, hey, in the real world, of course I'm, I'm a school teacher. Guy. But also, he's intimidating in exactly the way a school teacher is intimidating. Totally, yeah. When you want to impress him. Like a this calm person's authority. a nerd. He's like an English composition teacher. He loves words this much, but but it's like you're. He's kind of unknowable. He's keeping a wall between himself and the students. Mm-hmm. You know. And and he creates a dynamic where you want to win over his affection and his respect. And uh, I think that's crucial for the movie because you need to understand why when he says, like, all right, you three, you have to go there now. Right. Yeah. And where they're shooting the guns at the blank space that you need to occupy, you know, and there yeah. people are like, okay, all right, we're doing yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. He's also, I mean, it's actually a, uh, it's a really clever script. Um, you know, and sorry, is, do you hear someone scraping at a bowl? Oh, actually, I do. <laughs> Who is that? Oh, hey, it's me. <laughs> Please, sir, can I have some more? I was just eating cereal. <laughs> On my... Not gruel. No, I turned it. I was. I moved away from the mic. Ben, it's fine. I'm sorry. My apologies. Wait, Ben. Huh? I'm so proud of you. What? Eating on mic. Oh, yeah. Good job. My but little I... producer, Ben. My Ben Deucer. Yeah. My producer, Ben. My poet laureate. My tiebreaker. My peeper. My fuckmaster. My not Professor Crispy. My dirt bike, Benny. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, well, um... You graduate to certain titles yeah. over the course of different miniseries. Mm-hmm. Yes. You're going to do it, Jesus Christ. Christ. Come on, ben. man. Ben, say Ben Night Shyamalan. <laughs> say Benny thing. Yeah. I have to say, you saying my fuckmaster in a little sing-song voice... <laughs> my fuckmaster. <laughs> my fuckmaster. It's a really weird thing to hear midday on a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm proud. Thanks, Griffin. You didn't give him his Cameron title. I get oh T Ben Thousand. Did we settle on one? No, Bailey Benz. Bailey Benz. Bailey Benz. I don't know. Ben, do you like this movie? Yes, absolutely. It's fantastic. <laughs> what do you like about it, Ben? I like war movies. Okay. And I like Tom Hanks. Yeah, ditto. Uh, and I like headshots. There's quite a few of those. Oh boy, movie. love it. No, I mean just it's a fucking uh, it's a a, a a look into what. My grandfather and his brother's experience fighting in the war. And that's just like usually how I 
sort of uh, experience that movie is thinking about it from their perspectives. They're getting to see it from their perspectives of that pretty awful stuff we call war. That's a beautiful thing to say, Ben. And and I, I just want to say that if you like headshots, you should go upstairs to Ripley Greer Studios. Boom! That's a joke for four people. <laughs> That's a joke for the people who work in this office. Yep. All right. So what do you guys do you like the D-Day landing sequence? It's good, right? Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's it's um it it set precedent for something that I don't think what you were talking about earlier has never been met. Mm. I mean, like, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like hacksaw tries it, but it's just no. Yeah, that too idea different. of trying to communicate chaos without just completely befuddling and the audience. And how much of it is actually one one take? It's a good question. I would have to. I mean, like, there are cuts. Down obviously, there are there but, are plenty of cuts. But there, yeah. but it's long takes. Yeah, there are lots of long yeah. takes. Yeah, yeah. I'd say the only thing that kind of captures that that sense of like perfectly execute chaos like that is the door chase sequence for Monsters Inc. You are a child. <laughs> you need to like put away childish movies. things. <laughs> I like it when the monsters are going through all the magic doors. <laughs> God. Hey, you guys like America? Yeah. yeah sure. Yeah, well, well yeah. I used to. Used yeah. to. Well, yeah. Six out of ten. I mean, like, <laughs> these these men were fighting yeah. For a country and like believed in it. I think they were yeah, also fighting to liberate people from a bad mm-hmm. force, you know? I think Europe, it was kind yeah. of, a, that's why, I think that's why World War II is so, captures the the fancy of so many people because it was a, 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 right, a righteous kind of. Well, and that's, you know, right, it was like such a quote unquote like good or right. important war that like right. then people were like, oh, we should do like more wars. Yeah. And then all the other ones they did were like, like yeah, oh, yeah, six out of ten. Yeah. Now, think of <laughs> yeah, this it's the same movie. thing that happened in the Big Mama's House franchise. What were you saying, Ben? Oh, I was, like think of this movie in comparison with American Sniper. It's like, ugh, yeah. God, exactly. modern warfare yeah. is disgusting. Yeah, sure. And, yeah, and I think some films captured how weird and dispassionate and gross modern warfare is and others don't, right? Um, in the Valley of Allah, the best movie about the Iraq War. Have you? I've That's never seen that movie. It's not even. A, it's not even set in Iraq. Yeah. Monsters Haggy. University gets at some of it too in an allegorical way. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good. That was. A good I, I loved your essay in film comment about that. <laughs> it was really powerful. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I love. I personally love uh, Black Hawk Down, actually, which is a movie that not everybody loves about about a sort of forgotten conflict. Yes, yeah. and also, but to me, about like the weird uh, dispassion of talk about of cute boys war. too. Holy moly, they're all boy, in that oh, one. Boy, Ridley got them all there. Josh yeah, Hartnett, really, yes, sir. He took his butterfly net and he just <laughs> went wild in that. Well, today's special is veal. He was like, "What's Richard's <laughs> Netscape search history?" <laughs> Veal. Yeah, like <laughs> a lot of prime cuts of veal in that movie. So we've so... gotten we've gotten fuckmaster and a sing-song voice. My fuckmaster and now veal. Yikes. Yikes indeed. This but... is like Island Woman. Oh, Island oh, Woman. Right. Remember that Bella yeah. Bambina, great World War II movie. <laughs> oh, Captain Curly's Mandolin. It's my favorite World War II mas- movie. A masterpiece yeah. of, uh, of of the horrifying theater of war in the Greek island. But that's I like that war movie because that's that's about music. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's about Penelope Cruz's it's Greek about the accent. Music. Yeah. Okay. So the yeah uh, first twenty six minutes of this movie. Here's a hot take. I think if that had been the whole movie, he still would have won uh, Best Director. Yeah, I think if the mm-hmm. movie was literally twenty six minutes long, in the way that the walk sh- should have, the Zemeckis movie should have just been the walk because it was really great and everything else about it was. Stupid. I would have paid the but, same yeah. amount of money. I would have paid twenty dollars yeah, to just see that. those fifteen minutes. Yeah, it's really true about the walk. Yeah, no. I, I anyway, whatever. Um, but you're right. I'm mean, not I here think, to, to but, the walk. But I think that I think that walk the, the walk the the really the, the amazing strength of saving <laughs> the walk 
is that uh, oh I can't wait for your your spinoff podcast talk, talk and walk talk, talk and walk yeah. walk talk um, <laughs> yikes and you would do it all in a, a cheesy French accent oh hello uh, was that very Italian yeah. what am I doing would all you right. believe it right. me hosting a podcast settle down Captain Corelli we recorded the whole uh, thing inside the torch of the Statue of Liberty <laughs> Oh, oh God, God, that's right. Dude, remember when he has his ID card? Yeah, remember when that movie's the fucking worst? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but those, t- those 15 dis- minutes are unbelievable. We've just two Zemeckis movies on this podcast. Now, should we go in on an... And, and we talked about Death Becomes Her. Well, this I'll, is like Zemeckis oh, chat. Well, uh, we, we we mentioned Castaway. When, when, the, B- Castaway, when, when the BBC did their poll, mm-hmm. I put that in my top 10 of the 2000s. That's a great movie. I love that movie. I love that movie. We've talked about four Bobby Z movies? We've talked about four. Yeah. Well, should we get a fifth in? Like, is this what? secretly becoming Pod Zemeckast? Okay, let's move along. Um, Any other D-Day uh, thoughts? I was going to say that, as Griffin pointed out, based on these 26 minutes, he probably would have still won Best Director. But what this movie does amazingly is that what comes after it, it doesn't feel like a it slumps or anything. No, it's it a just great movie. keeps going. It's such a well-structured movie. It is. It's it's really, it's a it's kind of a detective movie. It's mm-hmm. a road trip movie. Yes. I mean, it's a lot of different kind of things that all, you know, wrapped it's in this. It's a buddy comedy. It's a buddy comedy wrapped in this horrifying package. Yeah, and it's a film... So to me, like the idea, I think a lot of people, not a lot, but I remember there was some complaint that like Spielberg found this sort of cheesy narrative for his World War II movie, right? Like this idea of them trying to rescue uh, this boy, you know, and there's that very stirring uh, Harvey Presnell as George Marshall. Speech. I love him. I love it, too, where he reads or, the Abraham Lincoln and then, letter. And then he puts the letter down. It's clear he's just got it memorized. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that, that's what makes Spielberg Spielberg. Those details. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And the Presnell pause when he goes, the mother of five, son's killed. Like, it's just yes. like this great, like, I don't know, it's just so well done. We are going to get him the hell. Oh, and I have to there. say. The, I, want, um, I could do it all day. The, so, yeah, so it goes from D-Day to cut, cutting to the, the office that's yeah, processing these we deaths. can't talk about the first 26 yeah, minutes. So no, let's just go uh, to that. Yeah. First 26 minutes, horrifying. Yeah. No, but they're incredible. And they they're storm, incredible, they, but they basically they free an, a, a section of beach so, so tanks can Yeah, Oma, it's Omaha yeah, Beach. Yeah. yeah. Um, Do you folks know that Charles Durning was like in one of those boats, that Charles Durning was like a front right? guy landing on the beaches of that's Normandy? Crazy. Hey, man. There's, wow. a, there's an amazing YouTube service, video. Charlie. One of my favorite actors of all time, uh, R.I.P., but there's an amazing video I recommend to all Blankies out there uh, of him at like the hundredth anniversary of D-Day at uh, at the White House, and Tom Hanks introduces him, and cool. Charles Durning just tells the story, and it's I the most Charles haunting right thing. Uh, he was he's doesn't Josh Rubin do a good Charles Durning? We should get him. He back did for a great this. Charles yeah. Durning. Yeah, yeah. 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 All right. Um, but yeah, um, so it goes to the war office, yeah. and basically they Hard find out. Hard cut to Cranston, one-armed Cranston. Yeah, and so there was this thing, this real-life thing with the Sullivan brothers where uh-huh. they were all they were all in the same boat because they wanted to stay together. The boat sank, and they all died, and this family lost all their sons, basically. Oh, like the Arthur Miller plan, um, except not. But um, but anyway, so they find out that three of the Ryan brothers have been killed, two right. two in Europe, two on the one beaches. in New, Gu- in New Guinea. So you're saying right. this was sort of loosely inspired by yes. that family. Yeah, so and I think, they reference, I think they reference the Sullivans even in the movie yeah, at I think one you're point. Right. Yeah. Um, so I don't. Is it in this sequence where we watch the car drive up the, the road in Iowa and the, the yes. mother? Yes, and yes. That's that, intercutting when with she the walks Lincoln out water. onto yeah. the porch and does that when she sees the chaplain get out of the car and she does that like wobble and then like has to. It's like ugh, it's it's seared into my brain. Why well, I, that I talked about in the Lost World episode, like, and, and these are things we're gonna keep saying in every fucking episode of this, even when the movies are bad. But like, Spielberg's so good at blocking, right? Yeah. And getting this sort of, especially in this movie where you have these really long takes and you're going around these crazy large amount of spaces with a ton of characters and it always feels very organically laid out. It never mm-hmm. feels like Vin Diesel's on his mark. 
even though right. you know everyone has to be so precisely landing in the right place. And he always just has everything framed perfectly. But the other thing is, and this movie's a really good argument for this, he's so good at knowing when to convey shit through a gesture. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Just these little things, uh, you know, like Presnell looking up from the sheet. Yeah. Or the wobble of the mother. Mm-hmm. He understands, like, these very small moments. Or uh, old Hank's these little yeah. shaky That's hands. Stuff. Yeah. And yeah. it even feels to me like, you know, and I'm projecting here, but, like, you know, and this is, like, a thing they, they say about, like, filmmaking is, like, know when you don't need the line there. Like, the line in the script is to explain it so that the actor understands or the director understands, but you can cut the line and find a way to convey it visually. And there are a lot of moments in this movie where it's like, a shittier director would have had a character say that. And he knows how to do it in, like, a glance. Agreed. I want to finish my point. Or do you want to? No, finish your point. Just about this story, which we were talking about, the Private Ryan story, which is cheesy. Yeah. Right? And, like, that Lincoln letter is cheesy, and Harvey Presnell is kind of cheesy when he's like, yeah. I love it. I'm not. I'm just. It's right, It's righteous cheese. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um. But I do. And like though. So the whole premise of the movie is these eight guys are, you know, banded into a little company to try and find Ryan. And, like a band of brothers. Yeah. Yeah. One could say. Uh. We marry few. And, and one uh, would say just a few years later. Exactly. <laughs> At uh um. So uh. And the whole time they're going, they're debating like, what the fuck is the point of this? There's eight of us like putting our lives on the line for one guy, and it is like, to me, a perfect metaphor for the foolishness of like war. I agree. You mm-hmm. know, like at, at and at the same time, like the noble, no, no, the nobility therein, right? Yeah. Like it's like that contradiction, basically. exactly. Yeah. Like and and the idea that they are debating it the whole time. I I love that scene where Hanks, uh, where Miller, Captain Miller, is there. Like, uh, well, if you were griping, what would you say? And he says, "I think this is that's a great was, use of military that's resources." That's what I was referencing when you know the how clever the script is. Yes, like yes. you know, and something they like about Miller, the 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 grunts, uh, you know, in his command. Is that he's witty and like he right. has a kind of good, cool authority in that way. And, exactly, like yeah. he's not gonna break authority, and they respect that. But he also is gonna like wink at them and sort of be self-aware and not yeah. just like bark orders at them like a robot. Well, and the setup of the pool about if they can get him to reveal personal details is yeah. like such a good device mm-hmm. that also says so much about every character. So yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. let's go through the company. I want to go through the company. Oh yeah. Quickly. So we've yeah. talked about Hanks. We talked about Eddie Burns yeah, as a BAR gunner. The least uh, interesting Richard guy Ryman. in the group, right? Yeah, he's all right. I think it's both the least interesting character and performance. I don't think either is bad, but I think I think he's the most um, classic sort of World War II uh, GI kind of guy, right? Like sure. he's always the New York guy. Yeah. Exactly. You think he's yeah. from Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and he's he's got the BAR, so he's got the big gun. That's yeah. the, uh, and then so you got Tom Sizemore as Sergeant Horvath, who's yeah. like the second in command. Yeah, he's like yeah. the fall in guy. You and know, he's like, got and he's got the good like bomber jacket on. Like he's got like he, he's got like a different outfit. And he's <laughs> you know? constantly yeah. covered in some sort of like ash or dirt. Yeah. Like right, he he's yeah. just never clean. Oh, he's like a pile of deli meat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like a human I think cold he's great. And yeah. he's yeah, great. He's in. Bringing Out the Dead the next year, and she's fantastic. Oh, in. yeah, he's, he's great. He's been in, in Strange Day. Like, this was his moment. He was where, doing well. Yeah. Uh, and we should Crashes know. right after this. Yeah, yeah, he's a total wackadoo. Um, but uh, he's a pretty good actor back in the day. Uh, yeah, what else is he? Uh, he's in Pearl Harbor, right? Yeah, yeah. But that's like his last. He's in Black Hawk Down, which he's very good in. So both of those Similar are 2001. Yeah, God, yeah, yeah. he was in D-Day and Pearl Harbor. And and the that's Battle of Mogadishu. Is terrible. God. Yeah, and Heidi Fleiss. <laughs> So uh, you've got uh, Barry Pepper. Uh, yeah, whatever as, happened to Barry Pepper? As Daniel Jackson, so good in Twenty Fifth Hour a and few years he, later. Yeah, just and and the um the during the D Day invasion, the shot 
when he's you know sniping and it zooms in on his eye. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? Are, what is this? This is so stylish. I, I just like. I mean, there's so many interesting things happening. I mean, um, it's again proof that Spielberg's such a, a good filmmaker. Yeah. He knows to put a little pepper on the dish. <laughs> he's got such wait, wait. a face. <laughs> Spielberg casts some real faces. Like Mary Pepper's got such a weird face. Yeah. That's why he's got yeah. faces out the ass. Um, he was also well, of course, right. He that's what happened to Mary Pepper is he was in Battlefield Earth and that like ruined his career. That's right. But I is mean, he a Scientologist or was it he just? Got I roped actually into that? don't think so. Yeah. I, uh, Too I much pepper. I don't. I don't think he's Canadian. Um, but he's really good in Twenty Fifth Hour. He's really good in that movie, uh, The Three Burials of Melchiades Estrada, the Tommy Lee oh, Jones sure, movie yeah. that is with January Jones. Yeah, forgotten by time, but he's fabulous not by Can. That. They love that movie. Yeah, uh, he's really good in uh, Lone Ranger. Uh, there, yeah, he's yeah. good in the Lone Ranger. Yeah, okay. I always like him. I'm still excited whenever he shows. Oh, he's really fucking good in True Grit. Yeah, he oh, is good in yes, True Grit. I always right. forget. Yes. yes, but he's All right, really so he's good. He's actually been in some. He's around some some he big works. stuff. Yeah, but he likes to he likes to disappear into the tapestry a little. He's a chameleon. He's Tom you know? Tom Hardy esque in it's that utility. way. Yeah. Um, you got Adam Goldberg as Fish. Yeah. Uh, the Jewish member of the party. Yeah. Uh, who's what? pretty yeah good at I mean, as Adam Goldberg often is, he's a brimming over with rage at all times. Yeah, because right? certainly by 1944, everyone knew that something really awful was happening. Yeah. Yes, yeah. although yeah. I think when they arrived at the death camps, like a lot of, I think no one knew the extent of it, but right, yes, exactly. people knew. And, uh, one, one of the most shattering episodes of Band of Brothers. Yeah, and also, but uh, you know, yeah, Hitler, you know, his anti-Semitism was, was much yeah. discussed, yeah. you know, in yeah. the 20s and 30s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just people were sort of like, oh, well, you know, what's he going to do? Someone asked me once, they were like, uh, what's the name of that Jewish actor? And I was like, okay, first of all, this is fucking offensive. The fact that you just say that, wh- who are you trying to talk about? And they were like, oh, the guy in Days and Confused. I was like, oh, no, no, Adam Goldberg. Okay, right, that is the right description. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's the one guy you could call that uh, He's Jewish in a actor. movie called The Hebrew Hammer in which he plays yeah. said. That is true. Yeah, that yeah. is true. That was like, supposed that, to be his breakout. That angry Jewish guy. Um, yeah, he was uh, Chandler's weird roommate and friends around this mm-hmm. time. He's really good in this. The kid, yes, he, and in Days Confused, he's the guy yeah. who punches the guy who looks like Chris Cornell, and I thought for yeah. years was Chris Cornell, but it's not. It's a so much Nikki rage. Cat? Um, oh, in Days and Confused? Maybe it maybe? is Nicky yeah. Cat. I think, I think yeah. 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 Um, this is probably his best dramatic performance, right? Probably, although, you know, he's done a lot of good work over the years. But yeah, he's, he's yeah. a sort of an un... Uh, Unheralded guy. Not to spoil anything, but I think he certainly has the most gruesome death in the movie. No question. That oh, I mean, of the, the main worst. of the main people, the, and the yeah. most sort of emotionally disturbing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, then you got Vin Diesel as Adrian Caparza, mm, everyone's boy. favorite. Mm-hmm. A small role. Spielberg had seen a little short he made, multifacial, and tossed him in there. I mean, talk about casting a face. She reminds know? me of my sister. So. He's so don't you agree? He's so, really terrific. There's a really marvelous bit minutes, of physical acting that he does um, when he's picking when up the he, apples. Well, that's really the great. The apple bit's incredible. Oh, the apple thing is really good. But then when he gets shot and he falls down on the piano yes. and then like it's like, I, you know, tries to stand. Mm-hmm. And it's just like this really marvelous, like it's almost balletic in a way. You're um, totally and right. I don't think of him in that in those in those terms. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, that's why I'm actually surprised that you'd never seen the movie before, because I figured just as like a Vin complete. That was always the largest incentive I had. The block was always, it's a warm movie, I'm not going to have a good time watching this. But the Vin thing was always pushing me. And I thought he was in it less than he was. I mean, he's the first guy in the group to die. But he die. has some moments, you know. And he's, yeah. and he's pretty prominently sort of placed for that first chunk. Um, he is, yeah. I mean, you I talk pay attention about, to detail, you know, the, the, the little line he has about, you know, I always watch the details. You yeah. talk about Spielberg casting faces. Mm-hmm. All these guys got really distinct faces and really distinct voices. Yeah. In a movie like this, especially when you have such a kinetic, disorienting style, and it is a war film, they're all wearing the same clothes and the same helmet, 
it really does help to be like, you're not going to mistake anyone else for Vin Diesel. Sure. No, it's true. You're not going to mistake anyone for Jeremy Davies or yeah. well, you know, yeah, exactly. Pepper. Yeah. These are all very, very different actors. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, that's, that's true. Really true. Do you mind your BC? As, as the medic. As medic. That's Irwin a haunted, Wade. who has that wonderful monologue, I guess it is, in the church where he's talking about his mother. Then, you know. And he's the one who copies out Vin Diesel's letter mm-hmm. uh, to mm-hmm. get the blood off of it. Rabisi, R- uh, an actor. I, he I has like a also lot. a really emotionally devastating death, I yes. would say. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Um, he's an actor I like a lot. And I don't say this in a negative way, but he can definitely like make a meal out of mannerisms oh, when he sure. wants to. Yeah. You know, he can be really. I sort think of he often gets cast by people who are like, "Who should play this squirrely little weirdo in yeah. our movie for and ten minutes? Him. Let's get Giovanni Ribisi in and here. Look, and I just think dial it up when yeah. it's the right movie. Yeah, sure. And and that's the fun thing to do is to dial it up. I'm not saying in a negative way, but he he is also very very restrained in this film. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look mm-hmm. at that monologue where it's. Yeah. Especially, like, I was watching it and I was like, oh, man, this is one of those monologues that, like, if you're in a shitty acting class, every young actor would want to do to show how sensible, you know, and, like, uh, restrained they are with their emotions. But he really, he, he holds it back. Yeah, no, and he's he's not playing a weirdo at all. He's no. he's playing. Yeah. I think he he seems he's to one me, of the most normal, one grounded, of the smart, yeah. smarter, Straight more narrow. Sort of, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he was your prime cut in this movie. If you had to do a power ranking of cuties um, and saving Private Ryan, he was definitely. I mean, he was yeah. He was a sort of. I was into him for a, a while, um, and I. I, I mean, you don't like where you know Ed Burns. A, Ed Burns at the time, oh, yeah, he's so cute. Uh, don't judge. Joanna was like, was, "Who is that?" We didn't know it was ninety eight. Yeah, look at that know. hair. Oh, he looks great in this. Then movie he has the thing the at stubble. the end about the lady with the boobs and everything, and I was like, "Ooh, sexy." You know, I don't know. You want to carry on, please? Nope. No, I'm not. I'm not going to stop. Right <laughs> oh, there. sexy. Thanks. Now, uh, Jeremy Davies. One of my favorite, yeah. favorite, favorite character actors yeah. as Same Umpum, here. yeah, cartographer and interpreter. He was on Lost. Also a great physical oh, acting geez. bit when the he's trying when, yeah, when he's trying to get his gear. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. And that is almost Chaplin-esque, where he like then the, the shelf falls down. And he's yeah. trying to fix the shelf, and, and that's all that. a Warner. Yeah, that whole scene there pretty much plays of, out. Yeah. There, there are uh, yeah. Germans, uh, you know, and, and Tom Hanks is just standing there letting him do it. It's it's really Hanks good. Hanks is great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's uh, my favorite performance in the movie. I mean, I'm deep in the pocket for Davies. Well, yeah. so he had been in um he'd been in Spanking the Monkey, which right. was his big breakout role, the first David O. Russell movie, which he's phenomenal in. Right. And, he and he'd been in like Nell and Twister. Yeah. He's one of those actors that I adore. Yeah. He's definitely a type. You know, he's got yeah. his thing. Yeah. He can modulate his thing, you know, for various things, but uh he can modulate his thing for various things. I'm a yeah. paid film critic. He's bisexual? <laughs> Is he? I <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! A thing modulation. I love him Sorry. so much in Solaris. A few years later, yeah. he would. I would nominate him for an Oscar for that performance. I I would borderline nominate him for this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's a terrific. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the only thing working against him is that the film is such an ensemble. Yeah. But yeah. everything he does in this film is incredible. He's also the, he has the biggest emotional arc in the and movie, and he's the griffiest character. If, I mean, if I'm going to be able to connect to any character in this movie that I don't understand, it's him. I, I um, think he's great in Dogville. Did he win a Griffey that year? Yeah, he won, he won the Griffey. Oh. And of course, he's Daniel Faraday in Lost. My favorite character like in Lost. One of the best characters right. in Lost. And, but, and what has he done since? Well, he was in Justified, which he's fantastic in. And, and other uh, than that, he's right. done like fucking TV guest yeah, spots. He hasn't done enough. He hasn't it's, done a, a talkie since it's such, kind of a funny story. Su- yeah, that's true. He's such a specific actor, and yeah. I do feel like you need to find the right spot for him. Yeah. But uh, it is sad that we don't get enough JD. Maybe he doesn't want to. He strikes me as one of those guys who maybe just wants to do what he wants to do. I think right? he also might be a little difficult. I could see him being very, very exacting on He's set. He's such about a doing mannered actor. Yes. Yeah, and that can be tough if you want to like direct him specifically. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. 
Um, another sh- small performance I wanted to point out um, before I forgot. And there's so um, many good ones. There are so many good. I mean, you know, just a million. Uh, Dennis Farina is great. Love is him. the guy yeah. who sends him on sends him on the Jim, mission. But uh, Leland Orser. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. As the kind of really like shell shocked pilot who yeah. talks about the plate. You know, the, the, food the bar. Plate. Yeah. Like that's just such a good scene. He's yeah. a, a great. Uh, yeah, messed up guy. Yeah, endorser. He's so you need someone to be real messed Isn't up. Isn't he the the revealed to be the villain in the Bone Collector? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this movie was a real Bone Collector. Let me tell you. Uh, That's I why think... I wanted to join the army. <laughs> collect, <laughs> collect some collect bones. Some bones. <laughs> yeah, Farina's great. Harvey Presnell, who we mentioned, who had been in Fargo a couple years earlier, he's such a great... Cranston with one arm. Cranston with one arm. One on Cranston. Uh, Giamatti, Ted Danson. As we, you know, Jane Kaczmarek had bitten it off. That's that's what was happening. Absolutely, and it took him three years to regrow it. Yeah, uh, Nathan Fillion kills his fucking great scene. Because yeah. Nathan Fillion, I was talking about this with Joanna, who uh, such a good buffoon. Yeah, and it's a great buffoon moment, even though you feel for the guy. Yeah, and he just nails it. Where yeah. it's like this could be private, right? He, he's almost exactly the same as Matt Damon, except, uh, except. you know, a, a bit yeah. of a doofus. Yeah. Uh, yeah, or a bit more of a doofus. But for Castle. But for well, Firefly and you know all that stuff. Well, I thought Castle was fun here. To yeah, say. It is fun. yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. It is. It's objectively fun. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, those are that's like I feel like, cast. And, those uh, are the guys. That guy, uh, his name is Jorg Stadler, who plays Steamboat Willie. He plays the German. Oh yeah, uh, yes. soldier. Betty Boop, what a dish. What a dish. Oh. That's a good one scene performance. A really. Strong it's not one scene. He's in several scenes. It felt like such a long, I don't know. Well, right, but you know, he pops back up there. It's one sequence. Oh, yeah, 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 I mean, it's yeah, sort yeah, of, yeah. yeah. That whole yeah, sequence yeah. is incredible. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, well, yeah, what happens? So then they just go on this journey. They go on the mission. You know, yeah. Hanks gathers his guys. It's sort of Pilgrim's Progress. They just kind of, mm-hmm. they meet different. And, you, and, and yeah, they're, they're journeying through the It's a really the, ingenious the, the, the way French to show. Theater. You know, so you have the scene with the, the French people in their bombed out house and trying Which, to give their kids away. You see um, a shell-shocked pilot and a bunch of airborne guys who are, like, really, yeah, were, like, who, in the shit, you know. Right. We're dropped in yeah. all wrong. And, yeah. like, they and were, yeah. there's that guy who's had the grenade go off and he's yelling. That and, guy's really funny, whoever that yeah, guy is. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um. So you see these kind of different pockets of the conflict. And you see you know. the men's cynicism like yeah. boiling throughout. Like yeah. the great scene where they're going through the dog tags like with utter dispassion. And then Rubisi is and like Rubisi stops them. And he even stops Hanks. Yeah. Because Miller is making is kind of in on He's the kind of half in on it. He's sort of smiling yeah. and nodding. Yeah. Yeah. So they just kind of go. And then they right. finally find, well, people well, die kind of. Well, so Vin Diesel's shot yeah. by a sniper. And that's where you have Barry Pepper is really cool. Yeah, he sprinkles the, a little pepper on it. And actually, I was I was noticing it. Sniper it's, down. <laughs> if he's the pepper, is is um, Ed Burns is the salt, right? Yeah, salt, yeah, yeah. salty Ed Burns. And Vin's that steak. <laughs> um, <laughs> can I tell a Vin story quickly? Always. Um, so he, you know, Vin felt like he was fighting an uphill battle because he was so unconventional in type yeah. and sort of his uh, always mysterious ethnic background that he still has never, um, you know, made clear. Um, and, uh, he, he couldn't get cast in anything really. Um, so he, he made his own stuff and he made the short film multifacial that was about his struggles of not being easily typecastable. Spielberg saw that, loved it. I think he loves actors who are also filmmakers, which also probably appealed. Indeed. He had Burns. How does Spielberg see something like that? It just gets passed. I think, I think Spielberg is constantly being barraged with yeah. like, yeah, you should check this out. Right? right. Like, yeah. I would also imagine a guy like Spielberg has like. Filter people. Be like, right. hey, what what's the stuff I should actually see? 
Because didn't Alden Ehrenreich break because Steven Spielberg saw him at a bar mitzvah? At a bar mitzvah? Yeah, yeah, correct. He was in a sketch yes. video at a bar mitzvah. I did not know that. Yeah. That is yeah. crazy. That's. But if I were Steven Spielberg, that's what I'd do. I would constantly just be so enamored of my power yeah. to yeah. like literally transform someone's life if I like saw like any kind of potential in him. I, I think. I mean, of course, he's been wrong. I guess, sure. or he's like. But he's pretty good. Uh, I think part of it's right place, right time, and part of it's like he just has a really good eye. Right. I got to pee, guys. <laughs> so he made this short. Spielberg saw it. Uh, right. And then cast him in this. Right. And, you know, Vin is a guy who, who is not very modest. You know, he's a very confident man in terms of yeah. his abilities. Yeah. So now he's in a fucking Steven Spielberg movie, and he's starting to get momentum because he's got the heat. He was sort of anointed, whatever. Um, so he gets cast in Reindeer Games. As the Ben Affleck part? Or? Uh, no, to be one of Gary Sinise's flunkies, oh, I think. Okay. He's like part of the right. one of the heavies right. in the group. Like an ensemble kind of physical presence role. Yeah. And on set, John Frankenheimer asked him to take his shirt off. Mm. And he said, I only take my shirt off for Vin Diesel movies. And, he and went, he, there was no such thing as Vin Diesel yeah, movies. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And he went, what? And he goes, I saved that for Vin Diesel movies. And they were like, what the fuck? And he stood his ground. They fired him from the movie. Wow. And then he got pitch black and he takes his fucking shirt off. Because it's a Vin Diesel movie. Yeah. Like Oof. the next year, pitch black, Iron Giant is that same year. And he took his shirt off in that. Yep. Guess- when he was recording, if you watch the B-roll, he's shirtless <laughs> yeah. the whole time yeah, they're recording great. Iron Giant. Yeah. And then, uh, and then the year after that's Fast and Furious. Like just as quickly as he got fired from. And he really dodged a bullet there. Yeah, 100%. It's a terrible movie. But it's like he plays the titular role in an American animated classic. Wait. Who do you know who got the part that he was fired? I don't know who gives some a shit. Random. It's not Vin Diesel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's some guy yeah. who just was beefy and took his shirt off. Yeah, there you go. You'll hey, never know that. You're talking Reindeer's Day? Yeah. Reindeer's Day. Reindeer's Day. Isn't that amazing, though? I only take my shirt off That's for Vin great. Diesel movies. And, he, and it, it, it's so sure that that would be a thing 100%. in the future. And yeah. he was right. He was, yeah, Vin Diesel, he's, he's totally right. Women with confidence. And now he's Triple X coming back. Back at you with. Who's the crazy person who's in that movie? Tony Collette. Ruby Rose. Tony Collette, thank you. Yeah, Ruby Rose, yeah. But Tony Collette is like, what? I am so in it's the like bag. It's like Juliette Binoche being in... Um, in Godzilla? It, in uh, Ghost of the Machine. I think the, the biggest one is uh, Laura Linney in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Out of the Shadows. Mm-hmm. Joan Allen in Death Race. Well, she directed it. I mean, it's just yeah, it's kind did. of like a Hitchcockian cameo. And really. you wrote it. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, Laura would dispute that. but We haven't even I discussed can't. your directorial debut, Trolls. <laughs> My trolls? Yeah, your trolls. Did you love my trolls? Of course I loved your trolls. Oh, have you seen my trolls, Griffin? <laughs> this has been Richard's best. Please love my take. trolls. <laughs> Please. I worked so hard on my trolls. <laughs> when people hear this, it <laughs> No one will remember that that fucking movie existed. You out there in podcast land, have you seen my trolls? <laughs> my trolls is now on DVD. <laughs> Probably is. You getting that, you getting that uh, EPK ready for your trolls? My, yeah, I am. Anyway. Uh, one million comedy points. Uh, what's your favorite thing about your trolls? My trolls? Oh, <laughs> there's just so much. Um, you know, I just love that they all sound like Anna Kendrick. Yeah, so definitely, definitely. The most, the best sound in nature. That that scrappy little nobody. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anna K. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> so there's the scene where they 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 Giovanni dies while they're trying to take out a machine gun, and then uh, they they. And the problem with that is the that German guy. they could have gone around, right? But, but then Hanks is yeah. like, "Well, then we're just going to leave this for someone else, this, to, right. you know." So we got to do it, and that sort of duty thing, and and that really frustrates them. And it's like, and that's when that's when Burns they, freaks out, uh, Ryman. Yeah, and then Hanks is like, 
how much is a pool up to? Right. And then he tells them that he's Great from scene. Pennsylvania. Of course, he could only be from Pennsylvania. Little, little because fictional it's, town in Pennsylvania. It's mid Atlantic. You know, it doesn't have Absolutely, too much right, of an identity right. unless he's like unless it's not from coal country. It's just sort of like Yeah. But then but we never get to the bottom of where Ed Burns' character is from. Yeah, no, it's a mystery. It's a total mystery. Yeah. Uh, is it and then does yeah. he start Southern crying? California? Yeah. Strikes me as a Madison guy. Yeah, yeah. Does he oh start, yeah, totally. Oh, I was in New England. Son of intellectuals. <laughs> yeah. Does he start crying after he gives that speech? Like the kind of Hank's breakdown scene where he like privately goes off. And starts crying. I can't remember if it's I right before or right, right after. Before. I think it's right before. And then he kind of recomposes out of himself. Yeah. yeah. But that's his, his, so, yeah, so, that's so his leadership. R- R- Rabizi dies, there, right? and then he just like goes over the hill and breaks down, I think. But, but or it's then like, they get the guy. No, German. no, they, Rabisi dies, right? And then they're going to kill the German, and Jeremy Davis is uh, up him. He uh, prevails on them to be moral and to, you know, not shoot a prisoner of war. So they send him marching off. Uh, supposedly towards the Allies, right. but of course he gets picked up by the Germans again. Right, and I think yeah, the, I think that's that's when all that's happening. That's yeah. when Ed Ed Burns freaks out and Tom Sizemore points a gun at him. And, and once again, to his credit, Tom Hanks has like three separate Oscar monologues in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like he has three yeah, scenes absolutely. that feel like they're tailor made, and he doesn't play any of them. He like was Oscar nominated scenes. for it, right? He was. He, yeah, was. he, he yeah. lost to Nicholson. Right. For as good as it gets. No, no that was the year, no, before. The year before. He lost oh, you're to Benini. Right. He lost to Benini. Oh. oh. He lost to Benini. Uh, so, you know, the year the, oh. the nominees that year. Benini literally climbed over his chair. Yeah, for the listener at home, Ben is currently standing on top of the table. Yeah. <laughs> Hanks was Hanks was never going to win. He had two Oscars, yeah. uh, you know, and only a few in, years and earlier. It's, an it's a more movie. subdued role. It's an un- but the yeah. other nominees were Ian McKellen in Gods and Monsters, which is a great performance. Should have won. Nick Nolte in Affliction, which is a really good underrated performance, and uh Edward Norton in American History X. Which is not oh. a movie I'm fond of, but he is—he's quite good in it. Yeah. Who do you, you guys, who do you pick in that? Yeah, McKellen probably. McKellen, right? I think I would, yeah, Joseph Fiennes. <laughs> 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 who would you pick, Richie? Um, I would pick. I would think I would go with McKellen as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like. Remember when Bill Condon made movies like that? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Billy. Yeah. yeah. And now he's what he's doing, Beauty and the Beauty Goddamn Beast. Beauty and yeah. the Beast. That oh. looks like it's going to be out shit. like next week when this. Yeah, I know. Is that true? Is it that soon? <gasps> no, it's in March. I think. Uh huh. Yeah, this will be coming out in February. Yeah, I think, so. early February. I mean, yeah. some great male performances, uh, lead male performances that year: Jim Carrey in the Truman Show. Correct. Oh, uh, and he famously wasn't nominated. wasn't nominated. He won the Golden Globe and said, "You know what this means? I'm a shoe in for the Blockbuster Award." Yeah, Remember that, that was funny. during his speech. Uh, Dave Foley in A Bug's Life. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, George Clooney in Out of Sight. Uh, Jeff Bridges oh. in Big Lebowski. Jason Schwartzman in Rushmore. Taylor Leone in Deep Impact. <laughs> I mean, Depp in Fear and Loathing. If that's your speed, uh, you got John that's Travolta in Primary Colors. Uh, a lot of lot of great movies yeah. in 1998. Vanessa Redgrave in Deep Impact. <laughs> Keep going, John Favreau. John Favreau, <laughs> Laura Ines. Is that how you say Inez. it? I don't actually know how you say that woman's Lily last Sobieski. name. Lily Sobieski. Chris mm. Klein would be supporting, right? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a movie. Uh. Oh, no, that's 99, right? Election's 99. I was going to say Broderick, but that's the following year. Uh, election is 99, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, quite a year. So um, then they finally arrive, right, at, uh, in their, at Ramel. Ramel, Ramel. Which is right. a made-up town uh, yeah. in France. Bombed to shit. Bombed to shit. It's supposed to be like Deauville or someone like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, they meet Ryan and some other... This kind of ragtag. Cannon fodder. <laughs> and they're, they're guarding a bridge because during that stage of the conflict... Bridges were really important because if you didn't have bridges, you couldn't get tanks across. And it was all about the tanks, through. baby. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So 
So they so, decide to have this kind of last Alamo right, stand. Right, because Ryan's Fuck like, I'm, I'm not getting, yeah. I'm not being like airlifted out of here. Are you crazy? Like, I'm, I'm He has in a great war. scene where he goes and hides and breaks down, too. Damon, uh, Matt really Damon, good terrific. Oh, what am I talking about? He's the cutest boy in the movie. Of course. <sighs> boy, is he cute. What's he has the big him? monologue about uh, uh, when they all humiliated, sexually humiliated some woman in a barn. <laughs> and, oh, God, that's right. But that's like, Don't do it, you're a young man. Oh, uh, no. a well-delivered monologue, yeah. a, a good a scene. A very Damon kind of like boyish, but decent, I don't know. I mean, and that's a scene I feel like a lot of actors uh, don't pull off. On oh, screen yeah. sure. laughing is underrated as a hard thing very, to do. Very good point. And it's not a particularly funny story. No, and no. that's and I but like he that he sells it. He and sells that it's that yeah. funny to him. I yeah. like yeah. that Hanks, uh, that Miller is kind of like sort of giving him the like, yeah, you know, like this sort of half smile yeah. just to be like, all right, I'm listening to you. I mean, yeah. this isn't my favorite story, but. And then when yeah. he says, what about those gardening gloves? And Hanks just goes, no. Yeah, that's for me. This is the very curt no, and then the pause before that's just for me. That's yeah. that's a really well written scene. And, the, and then that, that, then it, I think it goes from there to them to the other guys listening to Edith Piaf on the Victrola or whatever that is, yeah. the gramophone. Um, Burns sung the, the and, bra story. Yeah. yeah, and then the tension just is coiling and coiling and mm. coiling because you know it's coming, you know it's coming. And I just think that it's so well built, and you have this feeling of dread mm-hmm. because they're having this moment of kind of contemplative peace and quiet, you know, uh, and then you, but you know that this thing is coming, and yes. it's a really well done bit of tension, I think. Well, and as Me a too. storytelling move, it's like, the whole movie is them trying to find the guy. They find the guy. He goes, I'm not leaving. And yeah. now the movie goes, hey, guess what? Surprise. Here's another hour. Yeah. The mission is now to keep the guy alive because right. he's not coming with us. Yeah. Right. So, so Hanks, we have to Hanks keep has him. to bond yeah. him basically right. to his side. Uh, yeah, he says that. He's like, yeah, yeah he's yeah, like, yeah, you're not yeah. leaving me. Yeah, Where yeah. am I going to be? And he goes within 20, 20 yeah. feet of me at the right. time. So, yeah. you know, the D-Day sequence obviously is like utterly realistic and devoted to realism. This is more action movie. of an action movie yeah. war set piece. It like throws a little realism out the window a little they bit. They have these you know. little sticky bombs with the socks. Although I think those, those are, real. are real. Yeah. I just think like, you know, it's one of those things where like D-Day veterans saw this movie and a lot of them said like, you know, it was tremendously accurately portrayed the landings, whereas this stuff is more like, yeah, military tactics, quote unquote, yeah. right. maybe being ignored. But uh, it's a tr- terrific. But it's a siege sequence. thing and they have to kind of bottleneck them and it's a whole, yeah. Um, but it's so well done and terrifying. Goldberg gets a, a knife very, very slowly driven into his While heart. While saying like, no, 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 no. Which like, I'd say is the yeah. worst speed a knife could be pushed into your heart is slow. And yeah. this, this is where Upham has, Jeremy Davis has his big uh, sort of, I don't know. I mean, it's where Steamboat Willie, the German. Well, boy, and, and, which is a bit of a back. contrivance, I think, you know, given the chaos of this whole. I would say it's, would... it's the one cheesy twist of the movie. Yeah. I, I'd pick yeah. one other moment. I think there's one moment where Spielberg really Spielbergs it. Okay. I think it's the conversation with old Damon and his wife. Oh. I, I think gilds the lily a little what, too do you, hard. Do you like the bookend at all? or do you think I should... like the bookend. I think that should be like two lines of dialogue. But he's like, am I a good man? And, she's, yeah, and I think yeah. she says way too much. Yeah. I think it's really yeah. overwritten. Okay. It is. Because at that bit. point, they, we've already won. We know. You've got us. Yeah. We're, we're on your side, yeah. you know? Yeah. It, just, it feels a little indulgent. Yeah. That's the one moment where I felt like Spielberg was really playing the strings, you know? And I think that that is something that has animated his career for a long, long time, is that he and he can't, he has a hard time resisting that. And he has all these incredible, serious impulses that grew as a filmmaker as he went on, but there's still that kind of schmaltzy thing that... It, Which, it, it, uh, you know, I love some good schmaltz when it's appropriate. I think where it often fails him specifically at endings. I well, think it, ending, endings are exactly endings. the problem. I mean, you look at something like AI, yeah. which I think is an ex- is a really profound My and really Spielberg beautiful movie. movie. 
Your number but one it, favorite of all? Absolutely. But it without should, a, with, but it should end with him at the bottom of the ocean. I Correct. disagree, and I will defend it very stringently next week. I think the end okay. of the AI is one of the greatest pieces of science fiction ever written. I mean, Love I, it. I, I see both sides. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, I'm, I, I do agree that as like filmmaking or traditional yeah. storytelling, that ending is tough to take. Lincoln could have ended before it ends. Oh, that's the Lincoln's, worst Lincoln's thing about Lincoln. That's the worst. Th- I it mean, just keeps going, and you're like, he, all right. You know, Bridge of Spies has it. You know, there's a lot of things. Bridge where of Spies has three endings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. why'd you tack yeah. on this extra five minutes? We get it. It should and end with him asleep in the bed. Yeah. He's just a little. Yeah. He's getting a little too grandfatherly, and he's like, well, just in case you didn't understand. But he wants to soothe you. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Is he and wants everyone that. to leave feeling, you know, you know Minority Report you know. as well has a yeah has a bunch of endings there. He he always has multiple endings. Great movie. Yeah. Uh, he has multiple endings always, multiple resolutions. Yeah. And then it always just feels like at the end of the ride, he's unwilling to take his foot off the gas. Maybe yeah. it's like it's a, his encore, you know, like yeah. if, if it was a band. <laughs> you know? like, he's oh, you want a little, out. you want one more? Yeah, yeah exactly. Maybe he should put it after the credits, Marvel style. You know, <laughs> that's he's, exactly right. Yeah. He's only made one perfect movie, and it's called The Terminal, and you wrote it. Well, Get that's, from that's me, why sick. it's perfect, because I was like, it no was there on endings, the page. Dude. That's the thing. It was you on the page. You were like, <laughs> no beginning, no ending, uh, no middle. Nope. <laughs> I mean, structurally, it's the perfect movie. It's wild. You yeah, were just sitting yeah. there at your screen, and you were like, "I just need one line. I need her to say something. Get away from me. I'm sick." Yeah. <laughs> that's that's yeah, yeah, something yeah. she screams early in that. Movie. We'll get to the terminal. We'll, you, oh, we'll get there. Peaks and, and we, valleys, guys. And we won't be able to leave. We'll be stuck there forever. Yeah, you guys know I was born in Krakowia, right? <laughs> That's Hanks' number one worst performance with a bullet. Right? What the hell is that movie? Horrible performance. I mean, you'll talk about it, but what is that movie? It's one of those I think things... it was just because Steven Spielberg wanted to build an airport terminal. He was like, that wouldn't, might that, be, be wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, might, would, and yeah. It's, uh, but it's one of those things, it's kind of like, you know, we just we were talking about Lion, which at this point has been out for a while, but, you know, where someone tells you the story and you're like, wow, what a holy shit story. Yeah. Like, how could that not be a good movie? Like, that'll be great. And we'll have all the little airport guys. Like, we'll have a little ensemble. Yeah. It'll be funny. I heard him explain it once, but we'll save that for the Terminal episode. I heard sure. him explain in retrospect why he did it. Um, yeah. Like we've said before, he's he's good at accounting for his failures. Spielberg. Yeah. yeah. He's not like George Lucas, who people are like, you know, not everyone likes The Phantom Menace. He's like, no, everyone likes it. <laughs> you know, right? Yeah, people who don't like it are stupid. Yeah. Um, this, uh, he also knows when, when he hits it out of the ballpark. Like, he's not arrogant, but I, I think if you ask him, he's like, that's Empire Ryan, pretty fucking good movie, right? That one, that one, it's pretty good. What are, what are some, I'm trying to think of some, it's the guy who blows up the sticky bomb blow up. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Barry Pepper's death is really, uh, arresting. The, uh, the tank going. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, there are just so many bits in this, this kind of siege sequence that, are just so well done and it's like paying attention to all these details and motion and you know and you I think a really important thing that is not true of a lot of big kind of action scenes like this is that you really have a good sort of sense of the space yeah. like the spatial awareness of of where everyone is and mm-hmm. what's going on I think is is as clear as it can Agreed. be Agreed totally absolutely you know? true you you get and it's a, it's a complicated siege that's happening here and you get you yeah. get it the stakes of it are laid out geographically very well uh, it's an excellent uh, movie. I'll never watch it again as long as mm-hmm. I live. I'm mm-hmm. probably gonna watch it again, probably like a year or two from now. Like I, I feel I just come back to it every so often. I own it. Uh, great. Yeah, and the end. I mean, you know, I remember when I first saw it being just like, wait, I can't believe that after all that, they kill Captain Miller. Sure. You know, and he has that great earnness. Earnness. You know, fucking Hanks, man. Yeah. Hanks. Yeah. Hanks. A lot of actors would 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 botch that line or try yeah. to sell it too hard. He earned this. That's what makes a movie star. Is he knows how to do the throwaway stuff like that. God, this yeah. movie's so corny, and but it's so perfectly wonderful. It's it's it's, it's the 
yeah, it's the kind of like apex of this kind of greatest generation. Yes. You know, although, but it doesn't shy, but it doesn't shy away from the the brutality. Yeah. Which I think is what makes it uh, art. Yes. I agree. I mean, and I I do think that's why this movie gets dismissed because it's seen as this like almost jingoistic greatest generation. Like, oh boy, Mm. like, you know, that's when men were men and. You know, courage was real, or I don't know, but it's, it's, uh, go ahead. It's well, appropriate. I mean, maybe it's just because I hadn't seen it until now, and I've been able to, like, I remember when the movie came out, I remember the immediate reaction, I remember the backlash, the backlash to the backlash, how it's aged, all of this. But I, watching it last night, found it a lot more restrained than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think people oh, yeah. make too much of a meal out of the Spielberg tendencies in the movie, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. This is a very tough movie to watch. It is not gauzy. No. At all, and it's it's got like a real kind of humanist message to it. Yes, but but it's buried in a lot of shit. Like it doesn't. It's not it, that does not uh you know transcend everything else the film is saying. It doesn't overwhelm it. Uh, can we talk about something? I I think we just need to address it. That I think all three of us are going to agree is a non-issue. Sure, but it's a thing that people talk about in relation to this movie, and I had heard about it before seeing it. What mm. the the trick with the sort of misdirect of making you think it's probably Hanks at the beginning of the film. Oh, because it goes into his eyes. Yeah, I yeah. know people who like are furious about that. Who do you know? And who's say that's like very dishonest this? filmmaking. But but it's like No, it's not. It's not. It's just a misdirect. And it, he doesn't Whatever. he doesn't tell you it's fucking Hanks. He just like makes you 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 assume that. You put that together in your head. They don't cut from the old guy's eyes to Hanks' eyes. Interesting. I never assumed that. Uh, I don't know. Really? Yeah. yeah Who do was, you think it was at the beginning? They zoom in on his eye. Uh, really? Okay. They zoom in, in on his eye, and then it, the next shot is the helmet lifting. Yeah. The, right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, who Who do you know who's so worked up about this? Name I've names. heard people say that. I can't remember because I hadn't seen it, and I sure. was like, you know, it was an ending up to a movie I hadn't watched the beginning of. You know, I've been to that graveyard in uh, Normandy. Mm, uh, I've always wanted I, to go. Uh, yeah, when I moved to Britain, like the first vacation we went oh, on you was lived to in Britain. Nor- <laughs> <laughs> uh, was we first vacation we went on was to Normandy, and we went to all the beaches, which are crazy yeah, to visit. I'm sure. Uh, and uh, do some people the- like go swimming there? Or no, like, it, no, well, it's all a memorial. They must because, like, I remember we, we were <laughs> we were there. I think in like February or something. So it was Hot like very plan. bleak and gray, and yeah. you know, and dramatic. I feel like it always is. You know? It must like, be. I'm right? sure there are sunny days. In my head, that's what it yeah. looks like. Yeah. Uh, but that graveyard is staggering. It yeah. is staggering to see it. Like the amount of graves. Like I mean, yeah. it's like Arlington, whatever. But Arlington is a military graveyard, so it's many. You know, but like this thing where you're just seeing like a battle basically represented in dead. It's crazy. It's thousands, right? Yeah. It's crazy. That final morph effect is incredible too. When it morphs from Damon's face oh, to yeah. the older actor, mm-hmm. oh, it's yeah. amazing mm-hmm. how well the older, done it is. The older yeah. actor is called, and then Harrison and then Black or White starts yes. playing. Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. just gonna say, it's like a counterpoint. <laughs> yeah. That's like the only good <laughs> morph in history. <laughs> well, yeah. Titanic's yeah. got some decent morphs, not at the same level of like. Well, there's the eye. Oh, the Matrix movies have a really fun morph. Yeah, yeah, and X Men has a good morph. Mm-hmm. Yeah, X Men yeah. the team has a good morph. Uh, all right, so um, we should mention that this film lost uh, Best Picture to Shakespeare in Love and was uh, seen as a surprising upset. Uh, I won yeah. the Oscar pool at the party that year. Yeah, we talked about around this Around grown-ups because once, yeah. I picked Shakespeare in Love because I had seen it. Mm-hmm. Well, you made the right choice. Yeah. And at uh, the time, I felt very conflicted because I loved both movies. I adore both movies. I don't know. Don't make me pick. I love them both. I remember I, was, I also love The Thin Red Line. 
Jason yeah, Love is great, incredible. I, I think it's one of the. I think I was very comedies. happy that um, that who's he? Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow won, mm-hmm. and I would. I then I, went, I wanted Saving Private Ryan to win Best Picture, so I was a little disappointed. But like, but Spielberg. But got I remember best at the time, you know, going to school the next day and people being like, and I was like, no, I mean Shakespeare and Love's great just because it's you know, right. You know, I was I've always stuck up for it. Shakespeare and Love mm-hmm. because I feel like it gets unfairly targeted. I mean, it's a goddamn Tom Stoppard script. It's really it's, good. It's the best. Yeah, and uh, yes, yeah, so, I mean, also I guess it's just acquired that reputation as like the ultimate like. Harvey Weinstein like guerrilla campaign well to, like, the, the lore the... is that that was what really that was yes, like the, right. the most you know but the he, one that did how it. did he sink Saving Private Ryan because it's it is true that Saving Private Ryan almost seemed was it just like that the Oscar votes had just you know given Schindler's List best picture a few years ago so they were like it's okay think, we can miss this one you right I think especially because it's like I mean this is what this is five years after Schindler's List but yes. there's only three two movies in between Spielberg movies yeah. yeah yeah you know so it's like that's pretty close to that's like that's true didn't stop from giving it the biggest but, movie yeah. of the year and like probably one close. of the most biggest received yeah. and like just a huge you know it's like it should be Oscar catnip and yeah. and one could imagine so this was these were the days I believe just just kind of pre-screeners you know so you voters would actually have to go yeah to a theater in LA or New York and see the thing and you know a lot of people are old you, you know do you want to go see a three-hour war film, or do you want to go see a two-hour thing that's like nice and a romance, delightful? Like, you know, maybe that had some effect. But I'll actually say, Harvey was one of the guys who really made screeners a thing, and sure, I right. think this might have been one of the years actually. So he would be he would be the would counter work. DVDs for, existed at that. Point? It was VHS. They'd VHS. send VHS screeners okay, to everybody. So maybe I that, imagine. Yeah, yeah. No, seriously, it was VHS screeners, and the big thing was, I I think Ryan the thing that worked in his well favor. In the VHS. Yeah. yeah. Shakespeare in Love is like a perfect VHS movie. Yeah, and there's a lot of that that still happens now where, you know, and I know that a lot of the studios are trying to get people to actually go see them in the theater, so they kind of add, do added value with Q&As and all this shit. Yeah. Um, it's still not. People would still rather get the DVDs and watch at home. You know? uh, grown-ups don't go see movies. That's the great tragedy of the American yeah. Yeah. cinematic landscape. Yeah. Is that, and it really yeah. affects things. I mean, you know, I yeah. think that, you know, I'm, I'm glad it didn't, but, like, had The Revenant, been, everyone had seen it in a theater... Because it's so cinematic, whatever. Like they, yeah. that probably would have beat Spotlight, which plays beautifully on the screen. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I will never forget um, Harrison Ford, who presented Best Picture that year. Shakespeare in Love, because <laughs> they so obviously thought, you know, it would be oh, Harrison gets to give Stevie uh, yeah. another and Oscar. And then he had to, yeah, gave it I mean, to John Madden. Uh, no, or no, the producers, Harvey the producer, Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein yeah. among yeah. them. Uh, and that was the and, year. They and were Ed like, Zwick. Right, and there were like six producers for Shakespeare in Love, and that was when the Oscars changed the producer rules, so like you could only have so many nominated, right. which right. is still true. Um, box office game day. Yeah. So yeah. this I know because uh, I ninety eight was maybe like the peak of my box office tracking obsession. You know, because sure. I've been in a couple years, and this is when I really started to get serious. So I know that the three highest grossing films of nineteen ninety eight all came out in the same month. Interesting. So I assume that I can guess three out of the five. Sight unseen, without any hints. I don't know in the places, but I would assume all three of the top grossing films in 1998 are in the five. Saving Private Ryan obviously is number one the week it comes out. Um, yes, Saving Private Ryan opens number one. This is July 24th, 1998, with 30 million dollars uh, as its opening weekend. It eventually grosses 216. Insane. Uh, so that's a huge multiplier and um, uh, makes $480 million worldwide. Do you think that these days... It dropped like 20% every week for like three months. Would this movie come out in the summer? 
No, absolutely. No, not. It would be a fall, not. right? There's no way this or movie. spring. Well, look, American I mean, Sniper came out in January. I mean, you, you know, know what? It would be like Hacks. a Christmas Day release and then yeah. a wide release in January. Yes, 100. Yeah. Hacksaw Ridge was September, right? That's no. What? It came out. It was October. It came out in November. No, it was November. For, Jesus, what's the matter? Not really? Yeah, God, a couple God, weeks time ago. Is just yeah, I mean, it's me. you know, um, but yeah, I just that's it's just so surprising that that third weekend in in July that's a big weekend for and that was like a big summer blockbuster and you think of a movie that's this difficult in so many ways and R rated and really R rated you know like Mm -hmm. it's just surprising but but it was I remember like all the boys in my grade went to go see it because it was like their parents Mm -hmm. were like this is important you know yeah for sure and they were excited to go see it um okay so the other two highest grossing films in 1998 well okay fine you want to show off I want to show off. Armageddon has to still be in the top five. It is. Number five with 11 million, it's made 149. And Something About Mary has to yeah. still be Number in the top four, five. Number right? okay. four, 12 million, 40 million dollars. So it's going to have a long life. It's, it's, uh, it famously only... doesn't hit number one until week eight. Yeah, that one just sticks around. That, that's not a thing that happens anymore. It was an amazing yeah. box office run. Yeah. yeah. But number two is one of my favorite movies of 1998 that I watched over and over and over and over again as a child. I own it on VHS. I still love it. It's great. It's a fun, rip-snorting action adventure starring some great actors. It's sexy. It's, I don't know, it's the best. Uh, Zorro? Yeah. Oh, that's a great movie. The Mask of Zorro. That's a great, that was, that movie is fucking great. I remember when that movie was being reviewed when it was about to come out and all the reviews were like, it's surprisingly good. It's good. They made a Zorro movie and it's good. We all loved it. We were like, what fun that was, you Mm -hmm. know. Anthony Hopkins, Antonio Banderas, Catherine Zeta-Jones. N-A-R. Uh, do you know what part of your hint gave it away for me? What? Rip snorting. Rip snorting. It's a rip snorting mm. adventure. When you hear rip snorting, one word comes to mind. Zorro! When I hear rip snorting, I say Mr. Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> or, I mean, it would have been better if it was ripped horn, but whatever. <laughs> we can edit that in post. Yeah, do it in post. Yeah. Yeah. Rip Taylor. I mean, that's an old... Uh, that's fine. He's long dead. That's fine. 50 comedy points. Number three was an action film, uh, a sequel, uh, in a series, it's like not even the second sequel. It's a, it's a sequel in a long-running action series. Lethal that, Weapon Four. Correct. That does not continue. This is the end of. Yeah, it. I told you, ninety-eight was my was my Ballywick baby. Let's let's see if we can even, just gonna knock any down as quickly. Bottom five. What's number six? Uh, a hilarious family comedy that I've seen a billion times as well. Uh, Are you being sarcastic about the hilarious part? Yes, although certainly when I was twelve, I thought it was hilarious. Jungle the Jungle. No. Is it a Disney guess. picture? Uh, I actually have no idea. It's live action. It is, although there is some some animated fun happening to uh, spice up the comedy. I, I that that's sort of that's sort of uh, a confusing clue. That's a Mister X. <laughs> God, I mean, if I say, all right, it's got talking animals in it. Put it oh, Doctor Doolittle. Yeah. yeah, Eddie Murphy is Doctor Doolittle, which also was humongous. Was like the fifth highest grossing film of the year. Huge. Maybe. The top 10 for 98 is insane. Waterboy's number four. <laughs> Dr. Doolittle's number five. The Water No, no, Boy? Bugs Life is four. Waterboy oh, is right. five. Dr. Doolittle's six. Ugh. Rush Hour, Deep Impact, Godzilla, Patch Adams. Those are your big movies. That's an insane top 10. We never, ever will see a top 10 <laughs> like that is, ever again. That no, accurate. that's wild. People... Patch goddamn Adams. I mean, like... <laughs> Coming in at 10. Wow. That movie would make like $15 million. Yeah, it would and... go almost yeah. straight to VOD, yeah, basically. Yeah, Patch yeah. Adams outgrossed Lethal Weapon 4. It did. <laughs> and is objectively terrible and was considered so at the time. I remember, yes. like, people weren't like, oh, people Patch were actively Adams. angry at that movie. <laughs> yeah. I remember like, there was an SNL sketch, like, the week after Patch Adams came out, 
that was the cold open was two guys at a bar talking about the state of America. And Will Ferrell was one of them. And it was in the middle of all the like Clinton Whitewater stuff. Uh-huh. And he was just complaining about everything. And he goes, I mean, Patch Adams is the number one movie in America, <laughs> goddammit. That thing looks awful. Like, it was yeah. immediately People. a punchline of, like, how is this happening? Especially because it was, it was Williams' follow-up to winning an Oscar. Yeah. And no, I was like, oh, now he's, like, serious. But, all, you know, you know. So don't you know well, we don't want you to yeah. do this? I guess he had done What Dreams May Come To, or that was oh, yeah. on its uh, way. That's 98, I think, yeah. So Same he year. was, yeah. yeah. Um, Bad year for... Yeah, okay, it's ninety-seven. No, no, it's ninety-eight. Um, Six is Doctor Doolittle. Seven. Seven is a teen movie that I saw in theaters with some teens in it. It's a dark teen movie. Is it a horror picture? Mm, I'd call it more of a thriller. Oh. It's not Cruel Intention. No, which I also disturbing saw. behavior. Yeah. Oh, good one, Richard. You nailed. Sorry, I didn't it. mean to. Uh, no, 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 no. I was oh, not going to get that. Good call. No. Uh, David, right, directed by David Nutter, who had been directed a lot of X Files episodes. Right? And now directs like Game of Thrones. I was going to say, remains a good TV yeah. director. Yeah. Not but so much. Th- that was, I think, his first film, and I don't mm. know if he's done one since. Disturbing behavior. Nick so Stahl. Ka- Katie Holmes, Nick Stahl, uh, James Marsden. James right? Marsden, yeah. The great James Marsden. Number mm. eight. Number eight is a spoof movie that is bad uh, by, I believe, Abrahams of the Abraham Zucker Abraham. Jane Austen's Mafia? Oh, that I remember in the trailer it had a "Stay Hello to My Little Friend" joke. Yes, it did. And then it was like a, a little person. Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! I, I mean, think he comes out from underneath a wedding dress. Eighteen years ago, I was like, "You're was, gonna." It, it was yeah. a dick joke, right? No, no, <laughs> no, no. I think he literally comes out from the underside of a wedding dress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that opened to six million dollars. Uh, next is a movie that you fucking love. Small Soldier. <laughs> Is that Joe Johnson? Uh, no, Joe, Joe Dante. Dante. Joe Dante. My guy. Excuse me. Me and Griffin are like that annoying couple who play charades at this point. <laughs> where I'm like, the next movie is a French crawler. And he's like, small soldiers. <laughs> we just have some made up language. Is Tommy Lee Jones a voice in Small Soldiers? Yes. Yeah, he's the uh, major chip hazard. And who are the kids? Who plays the kids? Gregory Smith. Oh, it is Gregory Smith. I thought that. That's right. Yeah. Dunn's old Kiki. Kiki. That's a and uh, Phil Hartman's in that movie. It was his last movie. Am I yes, right? Yes, uh, Bill Nunn. Bill Nunn. Uh, Anne Madison, uh, and then also all the Gorgonites, other than Franklin Jella plays uh, uh, Archer Lee. The Gorgonites are uh, the Spinal Tap guys, mm. and other than Tommy Lee Jones, all the Commando Elite are the Dirty Dozen. Oh, that's it's it's really um, quite a bizarre little movie. Gregory Smith, by the way, who follows me on Twitter. What's he up to these days, Greggy? I loved Everwood. I I well, love he small did that, soldiers. Well, he did Rookie Blue for years in oh, yeah. a Canadian show that aired in the summer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Missy yeah, yeah. Peregrine. Missy Peregrine's in that one, yeah. And his brother, um, Douglas Smith, I believe his name is, mm. was on Big Love. He was the oldest son. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. And their father, Agent Smith, of course, is David's <laughs> well, best impression. That's exactly right. Yeah. David? Uh, what? <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, sorry, I wasn't paying attention. Small Soldiers is nine. Number 10 is a movie that Disney will soon remake, just like everything else. Song of the South? Mulan. (laughs) (laughs) You got me right between the ribs. It's Mulan, right? Uh, Yes, Mulan. Are they actually are doing that? They announced they that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But then there's another Sony's studio also that's doing, doing one. yeah. But uh, yeah. Th- that Sony project seems like something that's never going to happen, right? That yeah. seems. I like feel like a... that's just them pissing in Disney's cornflakes yeah. a little bit. Like, that's that's that yeah. Andy Serkis Jungle Book movie that's not supposed to come out for another two years. Right. Oh boy, God, one can only imagine uh, what that's going to look like. Then you got yeah. uh, some other movies, Madeline, Everest, yeah, Madeline, fucking rules. Everest, the IMAX experience, uh, the Truman Show is still hanging around, as is the X Files. And Fight the Titanic. 
Titanic, Titanic still, still in there. Geez. Actually grew by 10% this Titanic weekend. Titanic is still goddamn in there. $593 million it's Holy made cow. in its 32nd week in the box office. So, it's wait, number 13. In the Titanic episode, you said that the first movie to, to depose it from number one was... Lost in Space. Lost in Space. Which was in March. But what about Man in the April. Iron Mask? Did that premiere at number two? Yes. Okay. Yes. But, and the That's crazy thing was that Leo was the star. And they yeah. thought yeah. he was going to dethrone himself, and instead right. it was like Man in the Iron Mask opened to 24 or right. something. It was like a million below Titanic that okay. Yeah, that was March 15th. Indeed, it opened wow. only $300,000 below, 17.2. Were 17.5. these like iconic times or they just seem iconic to me because I lived through them? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's just crazy that all way. these movies were in the theater at one time, you know? Uh, yeah. Well, because they're, the, they're our movies, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, I know. A- April 3rd is uh, yeah. when Lost in Space finally claims the throne. I mean, that's why we started this podcast because I like need to talk to other people who view these times as iconic. Right, yeah. No, yeah, exactly. right, right, right. That's the yeah. thing. Yeah. That's why we play the box office game, because we go like, can you believe it? Dr. Doolittle and Small Soldiers yeah. my, taking up screens at the same time. Um, in the, the house in Rhode Island where I spent summers as a kid, my, you just have to call the movie theater to get show times, and it was just like a repeating Oh, yeah, thing, me too. You know? I used to do that too. And so we'd write you know, the times down in a notebook, and we still have a lot of the notebooks, <gasps> and I'll flip through, and it's like my handwriting from like 13, oh. and it's like it's like all those movies were in the theater. It's like Waterworld and whatever else. You know, it's just yeah. it's so crazy, but no. Paris anyway. we could fucking live yeah. then. Well, now the world's over, so. Well, maybe, you know, Wait, is this going to air post-inauguration? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is coming oh, out. So this is coming February. out early February. So no one's yeah. ever going to hear it. Yeah, that's correct. Oh, that's Not sad. impossible. But you yeah. know what? We had a good time recording hey. it. Yep. Yeah, we had a fun time. Richard, always the best. Thanks for having me again, guys. It's fun. What a pleasure. What a treat. Richard. Yeah. It's been terrific. Think of an Ang Lee movie you liked. Should I join the military? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> you know the Ang Lee movie I, I, I think would be interesting to talk about because it's just such a weird movie is Woodstock. Oh, oh wow. yeah. I've never seen it. Yeah, with its weird gay themes and mm. yeah. we've been talking a lot about Dan Angley. We'll see. We'll see. All right, all right. All right. It's been, it's been, have it's you been guys, bounced around. You've both seen Billy Lynn or I haven't taken the walk yet. No. Oh, I took I took that long halftime walk. She baby. real bad. She real bad. <sighs> Another Vin Diesel war movie. Yeah, and he's not gonna mm. I think he's Oh, fine. don't say that. That hurts me. I had heard Oscar buzz, but anyway. No one's getting Oscars for that one. No. But I think Garrett Hedlund's pretty good, though. Richard's getting yeah. an Oscar for best guest on this episode. Yay. Thank you, guys. <laughs> it's funny that the Oscars every year try to give out an award for best guest on Blank Check Saving Private Ryan episode, <laughs> and every year there's no contenders yeah. until now. Yeah. Fucking Christoph Waltz keeps winning. <laughs> for God, the same role. I'd love to have him on this podcast. He'd be a great guest. I interviewed him um, once. He was so scary. Yeah. Next week, AI with Christoph Waltz. Yep, exactly. It's about the robot. <laughs> That is the next one, right? Yep, that's right. Crazy. Spielberg takes some br- takes another break and uh, punches up a Stanley Kubrick script, <laughs> <laughs> like we all do on when we take a vacation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I just love thinking about those two faxing each other. You know, they used to fax each other all the time. Oh, really? That was like their thing. You know, Kubrick's like ensconced in his British mansion, and like you know, he would just like write Spielberg a fax. You know, weird Kubrick thoughts. I'm gonna go to Tennessee for the holidays and uh, take a pass at Napoleon. <laughs> that's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> Oh, boy. Oh, I got to do punch-up on that Solaris. Remastering. Uh, Thank you for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, uh, tell tell friends. Uh, Yeah, right? That's all that stuff to say. Benny? Ben? Yeah. (laughs) I always love trying to get Ben's attention at the end when he's obviously stopped listening an hour ago. Any final thoughts? Wow.
It's no. like it's like the calm after you just uh, fade the, the episode landing. out there. <laughs> no final thoughts whatsoever. No, he's got none. Uh, I don't know, man. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Oh yeah. Hey, you know what? All right. Fine. Uh, yeah. I, I got something. I got something in okay. here. Oh whoa. So I still believe in this our country, even though it's the world is gonna probably end soon. But also, you know, we can't give up. That's it. Thank you, Benny. Put some positivity out there. Thanks, we need it. We need, we need it. every cool. bit of positivity we can get. And I'm sorry for whatever the fuck is happening in America right now as this podcast drops. I'm sure it's a pretty weird. Yeah, and I'm sure we're not enjoying it either. Probably not. Um, but thank you for listening. Thank you for saying that, Ben. Let's all try to remain positive. Let's all try to find our own private Ryan, whoever he or it may be. Mm-hmm. I hope it's an it. I hope it's an it. Hey, was there a porn parody of this? Yeah, but Saving Ryan's private. Of nice. Course. Saving him from what? <laughs> Who can say? Ruin? From, from being untouched. <laughs> from, from atrophy? <laughs> yeah, from atrophy. Yeah, underuse. In from activity. loneliness. Yeah. <laughs> and as always... Tom Sizemore's in it, too. It's <laughs> hey, man, he's a paycheck actor. I thought it was Tom Moore's size. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> and as always... I only take my shirt off for Vindy's only. Remember when they were trying to make Brian Greenberg a thing? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And thank God they did not. They tried. They tried. He tried to make it in America. <laughs> he popped up in something recently, didn't he? I don't know. Yeah, he's been on. Well, I don't know if you, I, mean, I think he was. He was. He did like an arc on Mindy Project, but I don't know if that's. Oh, it was seeing the ads on Hulu. The yeah. relentless ads. Yeah. You're right. That is. Yeah. That's. But God, that yeah. that's five years since uh, he was in How to Make It in America. So that's a. Uh, yeah, he's almost forty. Wonder what he thinks. And he was also famously on that show, unscripted. What was what was it called? Unscripted, unscripted the yeah. HBO thing, yeah. With George Clooney's ex. Mm-hmm. And the other one. And uh, he was Krista a, Miller. Yeah. Was that one? And he yeah. was on October Road. Remember that? Sure. That was with uh, Laura Prepon, I believe. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the uh, you oh, know, that's big, the worst show of all. It's time. the worst. The big time yeah. Hollywood comes home to like shit yeah. town, nowheresville. Yeah. Yeah. And it's based on like the screenwriter of Con Air, right? <laughs> God, is I it? think it is. I think it's what, Rosenberg or whatever his <laughs> name is. God. I think it's based on his life after writing Con Air. Uh, Scott Rosenberg. Ben Foster's marrying Laura Prepon, which is weird. Yeah, because Con Air oh, in, in Con- IRL, Con Air was largely improvised. <laughs> it was, yeah. It's- was yeah. done Borat style. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Larry Charles is Con Air. Uh, a fun um, fact about Nick Cage, mm-hmm. never on a Herald team. <laughs> <laughs> this is Ben's new bit. <laughs> I like it. It works every time. It's good. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, what else have I seen? What else have you seen, Richard? I feel like... Um, I watched a couple documentaries. Oh yeah, fire yeah. at fire at sea, really, really good. I need to see that. Yeah, um, it's I just w- anytime I want to, I, I just remember that I'd rather do anything else. You know, yeah, than, uh, it's pretty rough. Yeah, exactly. Um, I watched it the day before the election. Great. Uh, and then I am not your Negro, which is really good. The James Baldwin. Right. I really want to see that. Um, and a couple others I need to watch, but I've got Patriots Day on Monday. Oh boy. Yeah, and then silence the next week. Oh, silence. Mm-hmm. Wait, fuck. Yeah. Oh, that I want to see. Um, I assume that's in I Critic Circle. I have a plus one. <gasps> Can I go? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. You should invite Oh, ben. that would you be amazing. When is it? Finest home. <laughs> oh, they're right. You're actually sorry. When is it? When sorry. is it? Um, it's during the, it's it's, it's next Wednesday. It's uh, the 30th of November in the morning. Fantastic. Great. I'll be there. Okay. <laughs> See you there, Ben. Okay, Seriously, cool. buddy. Just just tell me when and I will be there. That is right. my. Uh, no, I know. That's your. That's my uh, jam. Maybe it'll be shitty. I mean. 
It's happened. I mean, should I dress up? <laughs> yeah, you have to dress like a monk from the 16th century, though. Oh, jeez. So, yeah, All yeah. right. So well, start get my put. robes out. <laughs> start sewing now. This has been a UCB Comedy production. Check out our other shows on the UCB Comedy Podcast Network. Thank <laughs> you.